Hello, Action for Canada friends. Welcome to the Empower Hour. We've had a couple of weeks off to refresh and enjoy the last bit of summer, and we're absolutely thrilled to be back and so happy that you're able to join us today. It's Wednesday, September 7th, 2022, and we have another great show planned for you, so stay tuned. Back by popular demand, our guest speaker is David Lindsay, and we're so excited he can join us once again. Tonight's show, as well as previous episodes of the Empower Hour, are available to rewatch. Be sure to go to the Action for Canada website. Please also share the link with your family and friends so they can watch it too. Action for Canada is a grassroots movement reaching out to millions of Canadians and uniting our voices in opposition to the destructive policies tearing at the fabric of our nation. Through call-to-action campaigns, we equip citizens to take action. We are committed to protecting faith, family, and freedom. I'm always so honored to introduce you to Tanya Gaw, the founder and leader of Action for Canada. If you're just joining us, we did take a two-week break from the Empower Hour in order to catch up on a few things, as well as to recharge and enjoy the last days of summer. But I have a sneaking suspicion that Tanya was doing quite a bit of work for Action for Canada during that break. Our rights and freedoms are being violated and eroded by our very own government's corruption, and Tanya is not one to sit idly by and watch the destruction. She is such a passionate and knowledgeable freedom fighter, and she knows how important it is to keep fighting strong for Canadians from shore to shore. Now, having said that, I want to ask for your commitment to lift up Tanya, her health, and Action for Canada in prayer, keeping in mind that this is a spiritual battle, and your prayers mean everything to us and are so appreciated. And now, will you please help me welcome Tanya Gaw. Hello, Tanya. We're so looking forward to hearing from you after our two-week break. Hi, Heather. That is so good to be back. I always love your intros and all the information and the slides that you create to keep everybody informed as they're coming into the room and joining us. I, I say the room because I feel like when we get together, it's family. And so I just welcome everybody. I hope that you all had a super summer. And uh, Heather was right. We did stay very busy at Action for Canada. Even though we didn't have an Empower Hour in the last two weeks, there was a lot going on. Um, I didn't have a chance to rest like I'd hoped, um, but that's okay because I love my country and I love you guys. <laughs> and so we're in this battle and um, as I keep saying, we're in it to win it. All right, terrific. Thank you, Heather. So I'm, I'm going to get right into doing what I normally do and that's the um, overview of the, well, it's actually a little bit different because some of you haven't been able to uh, attend with us because maybe you're on holidays or doing something else in the summer and it gets a little bit of busy a little bit busy and really honestly we all needed a bit of a break didn't we uh, because we know what's coming in the fall Justin Trudeau recently uh, made that very very clear uh, we saw it we knew what was coming we know that he is relentless and as I say um, 
I was thinking about that. You know, why does Action for Canada do what we're doing with the campaigns and initiatives and, and keep pushing when everybody else, you know, many Canadians, not you, I know you guys didn't because you're on board and you're awake, but, you know, thinking that because the government had loosened the noose in the last three or four months that we were out of this and life would return to normal, but it will never return to normal until these individuals are brought to justice and they're removed from office um, because, their intent on, of course, uh, committing to do this until they have complete control of humanity. And uh, we're just not going to sit back and allow that to happen. All right, Trenzio, I'm just going to share my screen. I'm remembering to share sound for the video that I'll play. And thank you for that. All right. As most of you know, welcome to anybody that's new. Uh, but we've had this initiative uh, for quite some months now. Since a year ago, August, we really started focusing on building our chapters across Canada. As we've mentioned, you know, there's been a bit of a bumps along the way as uh, we've been building our infrastructure to manage a campaign this large. And so we were working very hard in the last three or four months to do that. We have uh, uh, hundreds of people of Canadians who have said, I'd like to volunteer and be a chapter leader. And we are so grateful to you. If that's something that's on your heart in your community, then we ask you to uh, go to Action for Canada under join. And then you will have the option even on the A4C chapters page. Let me scroll down a little bit. I'm not mistaken of registering as a volunteer to become an Action for Canada chapter leader. And so what we did in the last month as well is we've got provincial leaders overseeing the chapter leaders so that when we bring new chapter leaders on, they don't feel alone and they've got a lot of support. And uh, so we're going to start commencing the vetting again and we're going to fill this map up. As I've said, we're going to be in every town and community. I know there's a lot of other organizations out there. I just want to go to the big map because that gives you a better view of what's uh, transpiring. And I know there's, you know, other organizations that are doing a good job within, you know, their maybe their little community here. But if they can come under the umbrella of Action for Canada, we have the resources, we have the campaigns and initiatives. When we meet with our chapter leaders every single Monday, um, and if we have an initiative, it goes countrywide, just like that. It, it sends out an email and then to, of course, all of our members. So we can mobilize a lot of people at, at once. And I believe that it's having a tremendous effect. And we're going to continue with that, uh, but just at a much higher scale. Okay, on our menu bar here, you'll see legal action. And if you drop down to details and updates, you will come to this page. This is the video that Rocco and I did. I, I flew to Ontario last August. We had just filed the statement of claim and then we did a press conference and I happened to be in Ontario so I could do that sit next to my, my friend here, Rocco. And so the statement of claim is there. Everything was issued and filed. We have over 600,000 uh, views on this video. There's many people in other countries that are watching what we're doing as well. And as you may know, anytime that we've, uh, we get an update. You can see down here back in May, we provided an update and now we're providing an update of what just transpired. I've done two incredible inter interviews. I'm so grateful for Adessa with Liberty Talk Canada and uh, George Roche, Roche with Canadian Rights Watch. They had me on almost immediately to give me a platform in order to talk about the decision of Judge Ross. Canuck Law, Castanet, 
the Western Standard all were, I guess, just waiting to jump on when that uh, response from Judge Ross was going to be uh, submitted. And so they grabbed it. They, 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 they wrote a scenario, an opinion of what they felt Judge Ross was saying, and it was misinformation. And so a lot of people were thinking that the case was dismissed and uh, that there was no turning back and what a waste of money with Action for Canada, etc. But nothing could be further from the truth. This was actually a huge win. We're very excited about the decision of Judge Ross. And in fact, that the court rejected the defendant's request to dismiss our case. What the judge said was that uh, according to the rules, the statement of claim or notice of civil claim was too large and at 391 pages. So he said, but the content um, is, is not frivolous and an abusive process as the defendants tried to say. They were doing everything in their power to try to get this case uh, uh, dismissed and they did not succeed in that. And when you, I really encourage you to go onto this page and listen to the, the video interviews. It, like I said, was a great opportunity to lay this out. I don't want to take away a lot of time tonight because I'm, uh, I'm excited to have David on and talking about the coronation oath. I think this is a, a critical, uh, webinar that he's created and we want to get a little bit of an update on that and how you can register. So please go to the page, watch the videos. Um, in a nutshell, what I can say is, is that whether Rocco had provided uh, a proper size uh, content notice of liability or large one, they were going to try to get this case uh, dismissed, as they're trying to do with m many of them. Rocco said he has never gone up against the government and not had them uh, file a motion to strike. Because, of course, they know what they're doing is against the law and uh, they don't want to be held accountable. And so there were many things that they were doing last year when we were trying to submit the statement of claim, because once they receive the statement and claim, you have to deliver that to the defendants. Then they have to issue a statement of defense. And instead of doing that, they did the motion to strike. Uh, Rocco was in the hospital in December and in a coma. And so the case could not be heard until May 31st. And Rocco did a brilliant job of um, defending the plaintiffs in the court that day. It was just brilliant. Awesome. I wish it was recorded, but it wasn't. And so then we were waiting for Judge Ross to make a decision, which he's done. And so, as I've said, he has said, you know what, go back to the drawing board, send us a, a notice of civil claim, which is normally like could be 23 to 50 pages long. Rocco had told the judge the day of court on May 31st that he'd have no problem doing that, and he had committed to that. But the key point is, is that the judge and the defendants do not want the World Health Organization included in this claim. They uh, feel that, you know, as far as uh, it being conspiracy theory, of course, we know it's not a theory. There is conspiracy, and Rocco can prove that. We have the evidence from Pfizer. We have expert witnesses that we've retained, and I can't wait for this to go to court. And when we think about it, for those of you who don't live in British Columbia, Bonnie Henry is our health officer, and she is basically the one that was leading the charge with all health officers across Canada. Previously, uh, for many, many years, she has been closely aligned with the World uh, Health Organization as well as Bill Gates. So you absolutely bet that we want this whole story be, to be told and we wanted that all on record in the courts and we achieved that. 
And so I'm very, very pleased uh, with the direction that we're going. So stay tuned. We'll keep you updated as we have them, as we get them. All right. For all of you that have been a little busy this summer and you weren't um, able to keep up with what we're doing, if I go back a little bit, we had Dan Bashan on about food security and uh, how to prepare for potential food shortages. Alex Newman, I love Alex. I met him many, many years ago. He came on the show and he'd written a book called Crimes of the Educators. And in the U.S. back in 2019 already, they created an exit, the public schools uh, program working together with churches and it's just amazing to hear what they're doing there and we have been promoting that all summer we have been trying to get as many people as possible equipped with some of the knowledge they need to pull their kids out of school and start homeschooling them we are also working with pastors and requesting they open their churches to facilitate teachers and children and get them all into safe places and then we've done a few actions we did a new notice of liability I, heard, I hope you heard about that. We've, we're already having great success with it. If you go to Call to Action under weekly emails, you'll see the page that I'm presenting here. And I uh, love it if you go on and see some of the success stories. There's more, but we're running a pretty tight ship here and we don't have all the time to get the stories posted, but we just want you to see this works. We've had people come back from Europe without being quarantined, no Arrive Can app, from Mexico. There's an awesome film on there, a video of a trucker who, who was coming across the border. He had the notice of liability in his hand, ready to serve them. He just refused to comply or fill out any of the information they were gonna they said you know move ahead and you know go into the office and next thing you know the uh, officer receives a phone call he picks up the phone they chat for a minute and then they um, actually just say you know what move along keep going and so knowledge is power and when you have it you have to use it you have to share it action for Canada don't let anybody tell you our notices of liability aren't working they absolutely are I'm so excited about it and uh, so please go in and check out that information we also did a couple of very vital calls to action one was on behalf of you know what I'm gonna just go into this page urgent actions again so you know where to find this um, we did an action on behalf of uh, little Luke here and his mom Sammy who ended up he ended up in emergency he's got a very rare disease he's the only um, individual in Canada who has this very rare genetic disease and he needed a blood transfusion and they did they denied the mother to be able to do a blood transfusion from her own blood she was a perfect match um, our, our chapters in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick were helping to support her as well as a wonderful lady named Dina and um, others who became very active in the area. They actually were meeting outside uh, the hospital and then she got in touch with me and I was talking to her while she was in the hospital room. She didn't dare leave and they coerced her into signing an agreement to give him a blood transfusion and uh, without being able to guarantee it wouldn't have been Vax blood. So as she sat in the hospital watching him take Take this transfusion she had no idea with every drop of blood being in him if this would be a death sentence or not for this little guy so we got into full action and uh, people delivered notices of liability which she ended up serving to the hospital staff within a very short period of time their lawyers were involved I was on the phone with her when they were saying they want to talk to you and they want to know who you are and their phone number I'm said glad bring it on 
give them everything. I'd be happy to talk to them. What they're doing is illegal. And they've uh, committed assault against this little young man here. And um, next thing you know, the CEO was in, in her room talking to her, saying, how can we make your stay more comfortable? Now, too late for little Luke in receiving a blood transfusion without knowing if he received Bax's blood or not. Uh, but to me, that was an admittance of guilt on their part as well. And they were very concerned. And um, from what I understand, I'm staying in touch with Sammy. And I won't go into any more details. Um, I was in touch with her yesterday. And I said that as soon as she's ready to give me an update, I will post it on the web page. So you can come to our um, Urgent Actions page. And you can click on these uh, links in the near future and when we have updates we'll let you know now the other one of course is we put out a call to action i'll just go into it judge germain this is the rotten judge that ended up um three appeal court judges this was another win this summer that took place i want you to be encouraged by this this is very good news in alberta three appeal court judges ruled that what judge germain had done in his attack against pastor arter Pulowski was uh illegal and so we right away got busy and we have asked all of our members to contact the Canadian Judicial Council and to, uh, there's a link here to file a complaint. What we didn't have for you before because I didn't know, um, oops, sorry, let me refresh this page. There we go. Was the docket number. They'll be asking you for the case number. And then this was the uh, case number for the appeal court judges. So I would use both of these, file a complaint and demand that the Canadian Judicial Council does an investigation and removes Judge Germain, Chief Justice Germain. All right. That's a huge title to have as a judge. And this man has failed the bench. All right. He actually belongs in jail himself. And so we want to see justice served here. Pastor Arter, Arter Pulowski is a friend of Action for Canada's. I was there uh, two weeks ago with our national chapter leader coordinator, Kim McBride. And Pastor Arter Pulowski had um, invited us to speak at our, his church. He wanted us to tell their congregation all the good work that Action for Canada is doing and uh, to continue to build our chapters and he wants to assist and be a part of that. So I'm just so very pleased with the alignment with Pastor Arter Pulowski and um, the fine work of Action for Canada. I don't have that on our interviews page, but once I get a copy of it and we can uh, set it up on Rumble, I, I will put that um, presentation at his church on our webpage under this link here, interviews. Okay, so that was a huge win. I talked about the Arrive Can app and what's going on. You gotta go on here and watch some of these videos. It just shows you how easy it is. If you missed the interview on the Empower Hour with Remo here, you've gotta watch it. This guy's awesome. He just uh, is so brave and courageous, but he knows his rights and he, he made it through the Arrive Can and back into Canada with absolutely no fines. And it's quite a joke because in this video, oh, they say, oh, you know, he went and got his bags. Uh, he refused to allow them to take his passport out of sight. And then he gets to the final destination and the border guards say, oh, you know, we need your Arrive Can or you need to test. And he says, um, I refuse. And so they say, okay, well, take the doors on the left and you see the doors on the right and all the sheep, um, you know, who are following the arrive can and have probably tripled uh, uh, jabbed are taking that door. 
And so you're thinking ominously, like, oh, what's behind uh, door number two, where they sent Remo, and he walks through these doors, and he's literally walking next to the sheep. And he walks right out of the Vancouver airport um, with absolutely no troubles whatsoever. We're dealing with bullies who are shouting very loudly and scaring a lot of people. But my friends, we can't give in to this. We just cannot give in to this. Okay, so I talked about Luke. Um, we have also launched the notice of liability to remove pornographic books and the radical LGBTQ agenda and drag queens from our schools and libraries. And across Canada, our chapter leaders are serving trustees. And then we're going a step further and we're getting freedom of information. We're finding out who allowed these pornographic books to be permitted in the libraries and schools to begin with. And then we're going to the police and we want to see people charged. So we need you to get on board and get part of this mission within the chapters and help us out because we have the ability together to bring down strong uh, strongholds here and major attacks against our children. We are right and they are wrong. All right, to close up, um, I was talking earlier about Justin Trudeau and that uh, he has no plans to ever, ever end the fraudulent pandemic because the long game is to completely and totally control humanity. So let's just see what um, narcissistic psychopath Justin Trudeau has to say to Canadians recently. The things to remember is COVID's not done with us yet. We might want to be done with it, but it's still around. And yes, we have a lot more tools, a lot more understanding, a lot more knowledge on how to keep ourselves and our loved ones safe that have allowed us to get back to regular life in a lot of ways for a whole bunch of people. But we also know that as winter comes and as people get pushed back indoors, there is a real risk of another serious wave of COVID. One of the best things we can do to prevent that wave, prevent the pressure on our healthcare system, prevent provinces from having to take decisions around restrictions and mandates, is to ensure that everyone is up to date in their vaccinations. The recommendation is, you know, you should uh, be up to date in your vaccinations if you have, a, have had a dose within six months. Everyone who has been a while since their vaccination, today's vaccination, should look at the fact that we have new vaccines coming out this month that are tailored against Omicron that will provide better protection and everyone should get out and get vaccinated. If we are able to hit that 80, 85, 90% of Canadians up to date in their vaccinations, we'll have a much better winter with much less need for the kinds of restrictions and rules that were so problematic for everyone over the past years. But every step of the way, government's responsibility is to keep people safe, to prevent our healthcare systems from getting overwhelmed. And that's where individuals choosing to make sure they're up to date in their vaccinations with these new vaccines is going to help us all. Wow. Yeah. Wow. There's no, no doubt that, you know, his pockets are being lined very generously to continue on with this fraud. Uh, he's, he's a murderer, uh, you know, reportedly. I, I don't know how you all feel about that, but an injection that is actually killing people and causing severe harm to others um, is not something that any of us should be complying with. Now, is he foreshadowing? 
that, you know, that uh, the virus is going to get much worse come this winter. And an Omicron vaccine, I thought that we were on to monkeypox. So I'm a little bit confused as to where we are with all of this. I don't really keep up with with uh, what Mr. Trudeau is saying, uh, you know, because one, I can't stand to, to listen to the man. Uh, and secondly, nothing that comes out of his mouth is truthful. And so that's why we're continuing our legal actions and our pushback. But we need all Canadians together and united to say no more. No more. I'm not taking the booster. We need to courageously inform our family members of uh, the Pfizer documents that have come out. And if we love them, we'll be willing to take some criticism, even if they deny us right now. You're planting a seed. And people's lives are at stake right now. We're in World War III, and it's a psychological battle rather than seeing bombs dropping all, over, all around us. And we need to take some very serious steps in, in responding and reacting to this. All right. Uh, Heather, would you please come on and bring David on, please? Can't wait to see David. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tanya. And I want to give you a great big shout out right now. You spend hours upon hours every day researching, working on updates, educating, and much, much more as you empower Canadians to stand strong in truth. And I just want to say thank you for all you do. Thank you, Heather. Thank it's you all- to the whole okay. team. This <laughs> takes a team effort. <laughs> It's always such a pleasure to introduce our next guest, David Lindsay, to the show. David has been featured on the Empower Hour several times over the past two years, and he's always a favorite with you, our viewers. He's the co-founder of CLEAR, the Common Law Education and Rights Initiative, as well as the author of the Annotated Criminal Charging Procedure in Canada. With his vast knowledge and expertise, David has been teaching many of you how to lay, lay criminal charges charges without needing to hire a lawyer. David is a man of integrity and honor, and he has such a calm and reassuring presence as he shares his wealth and knowledge with us. Will you please help me welcome David Lindsay once again to the Empower Hour. David, welcome, and thank you for teaching and encouraging us. We're so happy you can join us today. It's an honor to be back. It really is. All right, David, there we go. The music's going. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I've taken up quite a bit of time because I didn't realize, you know, there was a lot that we've done this summer and trying to give that update in a nutshell is pretty difficult to do. You and I were going to come on and t- uh, discuss the legal action a little bit. Uh, since I had put the action out Sunday night, I had done the interviews with uh, Odessa and George. Um, so you know what? More than that, people can go and watch those. Sheila will uh, provide them in the chat for you to, for the viewers to take and watch later. So I'd rather just bring you on. Let's get dig into this coronation oath. But what I wanted to do as well, when we see common law, some people get a bad taste in their mouth because there are some individuals out there with a different version of common law. I I actually call it a little bit of kooky common law, and where we have no. Uh, constitution or, you know, uh, I, I, I won't even go into it. I'm going to ask you to give us a little bit of a definition. Define the two different common laws that Canadians are being faced with right now. Well, the common law that all of us grew up with and had been in existence throughout our history, even going back throughout our English history, 
is essentially biblically based. And there's been a, um, a faction, an element, whether it's due to um, personal objectives or infiltration or a mixture of both. There is a, um, a sect of uh, people who, for lack of a better way of putting it, um, simply believe that the common law means that they're sovereign and that nobody can tell them what to do. And unfortunately, that's not only incorrect, but it's a segment the media latches onto immediately to label all of us as far-right extremists that um, believe we can't be told what to do. And then, of course, the majority of the public go, well, you guys are just nuts. And uh, that's a real problem that's been ongoing, uh, not just in the last couple of years, but it's been ongoing for, for a couple of decades now. And there's a variety of um, theories out there in that regard. Uh, I, I address the part, number one, that we are not sovereign. And the sovereign uh, has a legal meaning, and um, essentially in our law, it has always meant the monarch. And for anybody to come up and say that they personally are sovereign, walk away from them right off the bat, because they're either uh, ignorant of our law or they have an ulterior objective, one or the other. Um, but it's scary in a way because the media certainly latches on to that. And then the media just portrays everybody on the right, no different than the convoy. And they've got one person with a flag who they planted. And then, of course, the media just continually ongoing harps on that and, uh, and says, look at this one person. These people that came here attract all of these elements. And, of course, that's simply not the case. And... The same applies to the uh, kooky common laws, as you call it, because there's a variety of, uh, of people out there that really don't know a lot about our common law and um, have promulgated theories that have been passed down and they get recirculated. I find that they'll, they'll be in existence for a year or two, people who realize they're wrong and then they die and then somehow they get regurgitated years later and uh, it just seems to be cyclical in nature in that regard. And... Um, so I want to address the fact that there, there is an extremist element that's out there that believes that they cannot be told what to do. And um, I, I'll be the first to say that's absolutely incorrect. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying that, because I know I've been uh, compared by RMA Insurance in Alberta. They didn't like the fact that we were going after mayors and city councils to hold them account and they would have to cover the legal costs for them. So they tried to compare me to Freeman on the land. And, you know, once I looked into who they were, I'm like, you know, here I am fighting for the Constitution and upholding the criminal code. And uh, these individuals do, do not have the same uh, belief system. And, and so, yeah, it is almost being used as a weapon by some, isn't it, to shut down the legitimate work. Um, okay, well, there's another thing that I want to chat with you about before we get into talking about the coronation oath. Uh, many people, the majority of people know you quite well with Action for Canada because uh, you and I have been working together for some time. Uh, we've been allies for a couple of years, pretty much since the very day that we uh, met in Victoria. And uh, one of the things that we commenced last year was filing criminal charges against individuals. And you've written one of the only books 
in Canada on how to step-by-step do that. We've had webinars. Um, our chapter leaders are becoming very well-versed on it. And then um, I think it's time a little bit that it would be okay to start talking a little bit and giving people an update on what we're doing. Because yeah. um, I think the government's very concerned and uh, the courts don't know what to do with the cases that we have um, already filed. Are you okay with talking about that a little bit? Absolutely, and uh, I actually like the opportunity to do that. Um, thank you. Um, they are they are patently worried, and they have gone on an attack. Um, you know, a lawyer told me here in the Okanagan years ago, who's now deceased, but he had involved uh, exposed corruption within the. Um, political system, both in the Okanagan and Victoria, involving literally tens of millions of dollars. Suddenly he happened to allegedly die in a car accident, right? But um, he informed me, he said, David, the first thing that these people do is try and deny everything. Make sure mm-hmm. it never gets heard, as, as you found out through motions to strike. And and, uh, and Rocco had mentioned, that's their first line of defense. Get it off the record so it's never heard. If it's not heard, they win automatically, right? And they don't even have to go to court. And the second thing they do is to try and delay everything and ring up people's costs and uh, and so on. So with the process right now of laying criminal charges, um, they're doing a combination of both. There was a guy who laid a charge in New Westminster, and uh, they tried to say that it was a civil labor issue. But case law has said that even if it is, uh, the judges have already ruled that you can still file criminal charges, even if it is civil. It doesn't matter. The same facts can be both civil, human rights, criminal, and all kinds of different things, and labor. So the judges are the ones right now who are getting instructions to go ballistic. They've gone ballistic all throughout Canada trying to shut people down. And um, their first uh, weapon is to try and deny it. You, you filed the wrong charge, it's a wrong section, whatever, to get them out of court so it's not heard. And if that's not working, they're trying administrative errors. For example, in Saskatchewan, um, people have tried leading charges with Action for Canada up in Saskatoon area, and they're being forwarded down to Regina, which is, is absolutely absurd because the charge has to be heard in the location where it took place. That's part of common law for centuries. And the JP in Regina has told them that they were not going to um, accept their charges because they should have charged the company. But the JP has no power at law to determine who you're going to charge. That's your your choice on, on who you have reasonable grounds to believe an offense was committed. So they're delaying it and delaying it. And I've tried contacting them. And ironically, guess what? She's on holidays for two weeks. So I've been trying to get a hold of her supervisor. And um, she's conveniently unavailable. And um, it's been years, but I have dealt with Regina courts in the past, and they're not very pleasant, to, to be honest. But uh, people, um, our friends in Ontario who've also laid charges, have also found their own obstructions where they're trying to do screening hearings before you even get to a process hearing, which is what they tried in Manitoba 20 years ago, and we uncovered that. And that's completely unlawful. So... They can't take away your power at law to lay criminal charges. That they can't Mm -hmm. do. So they're trying to use every administrative and judicial process possible to slow everything down and and take as long as possible. And um, if people are going in 
that are unrepresented or um, who don't know, uh, essentially don't know the law, but they, they've got the procedures correct and everything and they've got their evidence, the judges are taking advantage of them. And so yes. is the Crown. And what the Crown, the judge is doing, the, the judge is leading the Crown into where the, the judge wants the Crown to go. And mm-hmm. here in, um, in the Okanagan, um, I had laid a charge against the sheriff two months ago, and it was heard a month ago. And I had process issued, and it was about an hour hearing, and I had gone through all my presentation, all the law, with the judge. And he absolutely agreed with me. Um, he had one concern that I did not name the sheriff. And I couldn't name him because nobody would tell it, tell me who the guy's name was. Um, but he agreed process would be issues as soon as I got the, the sheriff's name. And subsequently, I had two friends that were laying charges right after me. And we had a phenomenal amount of evidence. We had all video evidence of assaults that had taken place. And I told the judge, listen, I said, I got two friends coming in. They've laid charges. And I'm here as their, uh, as their agent. And I said, you've already heard me. Uh, I said, you've heard I'm professional. I've got all my case law. It will help the court because you don't have to explain everything all over to each individual. And we can make it a lot quicker and go through it. And he accepted me as agent for, for both of these people. And subsequently, I was successful on both of them and had had process issued, uh, a summons was issued against both of those people. One was a commissioner, and the other was just um, a guy who who, uh, who was causing a disturbance at an event. So um, they had laid charges, and the judge uh, accepted me as an agent. Now, we've got a friend who had laid charges against interior health officials in Kelowna, and she was in court two weeks ago. And I showed up as a uh, as a regent, and the crown. I'm sorry, the judge basically led the crown right off the bat and said, "Well, you know, David Lindsay's not a lawyer. Is the crown okay with that?" And of course, right away the crown goes up and, "No, we don't. We don't want David here." And um, <laughs> so they made a um, uh, concerted attempt to try and get me removed as agent. And as it turns out, we have to show up this week at 9:30 at the uh, JCM Judicial Case Manager's Office to set a date for a hearing specifically to deal with whether I can be an agent, even though I've been accepted twice already, only a month ago. And a friend of mine went in today to lay criminal charges. And um, he had one today and one tomorrow on different people. And that's been adjourned to the same date that the other case has been adjourned because the Crown is opposing me appearing as an agent. And they've gone absolutely ballistic now trying to prevent me to appear as an agent to helping people because I will get everybody through a process hearing, no problem. If you got the evidence, yeah. I'll get it through. Yeah. And there, it's just another attempt by the Crown to um, and the courts to try and prevent people from getting justice served by laying their own criminal charges. And it goes right. all across Canada. I, I have never seen such an attempt by the attorney generals who are working cooperatively in every province to prevent people, especially from charging employers, government officials in relation to COVID, anybody, because the evidence is there. It, it really is. Right. And, and the um, consequences, David, the consequences will be uh, pretty severe if, uh, not if, but when 
a judge ends up uh, ruling in our favor on this because uh, just so that the viewers know who aren't familiar with what we've been doing, um, any employee that has been let go or put on leave without pay or dismissed, they used extortion, intimidation and coercion in, in order to remove them. And intimidation and extortion, as we know, are criminal code offenses. And so many of the people that are laying charges, they've uh, collected their evidence. If you are somebody that's in this position and you're saying, I didn't have any idea about this, I can get some justice with my employer. Um, make sure that you have email correspondence, that you've printed that off. If you've recorded conversations, make sure that you are uh, transcribing that and make sure that your evidence, uh, that you're, you're compiling that. We've encouraged everybody to serve the notice of liability. Uh, this is incredible evidence to submit to the courts because our notices of liability are, are very uh, complete in the information that we've provided in telling an employer what you're doing is unlawful. You need to cease and desist and or that it's causing harm. And, and so many, but many of uh, the people that we're working with serve the notice of liability, the drop the mic letter, the notice of liability against uh, rapid testing. We did have a, a further one on that, David, which um, you had reviewed as well. And these are incredible documents. If you haven't heard about this, go to the notice of liability page. I'll be reviewing more of this information next week on Taboo Talks on Tuesday with Tanya. Those are going to commence next week on Tuesday. And, and so if you come, I'm just going to go over the website again, give a refresher course on it, let you know where these documents are, because as Justin Trudeau has clearly seen in his magic ball, they're going to be shutting us down again. It's going to be more difficult for employees, more, di more employees even who reinstated are probably going to be removed again and we've got to put a stop to this and so when David is talking about charges the majority of the charges that we are pursuing was extortion and intimidation and think about the consequences of that if an, if one of these judges um, passes the through process and says you know what you're correct I, I believe that um, you know that you have a legitimate right to say that extortion and intimidation have taken place we're going to look forward to your evidence on this what does that have to say about Justin Trudeau and, you know, uh, how shall we say the provincial leaders, the provincial health officers who have all been pushing this agenda and who have all been demanding that um, employees not be able to work unless they've got the jab? It, it, the the, the uh, consequences of this are so far reaching and uh, so they're panicking right now so they keep adjourning our cases. So we were doing cases in other provinces and so David is taking them on in BC where he can be in the courts and that's why they're trying to uh, remove him is because he can stand before any judge and if the judge is going to try to manipulate the process, uh, David is very well versed. He's got 30 years experience in being able to respond to the judge according to the sections uh, that you have needed. And you've been doing that, David, and I just commend you for it. You've been a force. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, right. it's... Um it's one of those things that the um, they don't like unrepresented people in the first place. They want a monopoly on on law. Even if you're not getting paid, you're not getting, you're helping friends and family. They don't want you in there without a lawyer because they want a monopoly on control of what gets said in the courtroom to control what then eventually comes down in their court judgments. Keeping in mind that all cases are framed by the pleadings, and these lawyers, their stuff they will not put in the pleadings. And if it's not in the pleadings, the judges don't generally 
rule upon that. And then it never right. gets heard. And there's an unwritten code. They all know what you can plead and what you can't plead. And if you plead certain things, as one lawyer told me in Winnipeg, you'll never win another case ever again. So right. it, um, it, it's really, really um, sim- or problematic that they, they don't like unrepresented people. And when you get somebody, and I'm not the only one, believe me, but when you get people like me who they can't buy and sell, they can't uh, stop me or, or, you know, I'm committed totally to freedom and I've got the experience and the knowledge to back it up, um, as do as do others, believe me. Um, they get really upset and they just try and prevent us from coming in the courtroom because that's all they can do. Right. And you don't have to, you're not, uh, 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 you don't have to abide by the law society as well. So you have freedoms that lawyers don't have. Right. And that frustrates them as well. Right. And that's very frustrating for them. And you're a force. And that's why we're going to continue to support. So we're going to be uh, broadening our scope, I believe, in um, encouraging people to file because if you can't go past a year, um, if you feel that um, you qualify, that you've been extorted and intimidated, that your job has been taken and and you want to be a force as well and move forward with uh, charges, I'd um, recommend that you would uh, begin the process. And we've got videos. uh, We've got a David Lindsay page that was we've created because we've done a lot of Empower Hours with David where he has walked us through this information. I'd encourage you to get busy and start watching those videos and sign up with Action for Canada, and get plugged into a chapter. Okay, David, so that we don't... Oh, I understand, too, that we have, we're have we live on Facebook. And so if you want to ask questions, I'd encourage you to uh, sign up with the Empower Hour. Come and join us on the Empower Hour because there's going to be an opportunity for live Q&A with David. So, David, um, just maybe uh, dig in right now to the Coronation yep. Oath and let... Okay, yep, sure. Yeah, I just wanted to, sorry uh, to interrupt. I just wanted to make one other comment. Um, extortion and intimidation, I don't have my code in front of me, but if I remember correctly, they're what are called hybrid offenses, which means they can go by indictment or summary conviction. The summary conviction charges are limited by one year. However, extortion and intimidation are extremely serious offenses. And courts, for example, have commented on the nature and um, importance of employment to one's life and all aspects of life, for example. So if you're out of time and it's over one year, there can still be a possibility of proceeding by indictment um, because until the Crown takes over, you're the prosecutor. So you determine whether it can be summary conviction or indictment. So if you're facing a one-year limitation period um, and you want to lay a charge, uh, if, if you find yourself out of time, you can look in the criminal code and just let them know you're going to be proceeding by indictment. And you may have to use different forms. Uh, we can talk about that on a different day. But the point being is you may not be limited to a year if um, if you run out of okay. time. So that's something we can look yeah, at on I, another day as well. I appreciate you bringing that up, David, because, you know, I was thinking about this the other day and I, you've probably told me that already and, and I forgot. Um, so thanks for confirming that because... You know, there's um, issues with uh, rape or childhood abuse. And if you can have the evidence and proof to bring, uh, you know, the person that has uh, violated you uh, to, to court and to justice, I, I don't think there should be a time frame on that. And many, many Canadians don't know their rights. They don't realize what their employer has done is completely unlawful on a very serious level, as you've mentioned. Correct. Right. Thank you. Okay. 
All right. Well, I'm going to just turn the floor over to you and let's talk about that coronation oath and why Christianity is so vital in this country. And, and yeah. really, that's what the battle is. It's spiritual in Canada right now. Okay, over to you. It is, absolutely. And getting back to, and, and this leads kind of into what we talked about a few minutes ago on the uh, the issue of uh, kooky common law. Um, <laughs> ultimately, you've got two options in life. You're on an island, and you're, you're the only one there is yourself, and you do whatever you want, and you assume all the risks. Or you're in a society. If you're living with a group of people, somebody's got to be in charge. And... To come up and say, you know, I can do whatever I want is, is just stupid. And you lose all credibility and you make other people lose credibility as well. So there has to be a provision for somebody to be in charge. And synonymous with that, there's got to be a provision as to what the fundamental basis of your law is going to be. That the people in charge are going to either enforce, uphold, promote, as the case may be. So... In our system of law that we have, the person in charge originally was simply the monarch. And due to abuses over time, what happened is they started to bring in parliament in England. And it is now called Her Majesty in Right of Parliament, or in this case, in Right of Parliament of Canada. And these laws are like the only, how do I put this, the only power that your ministers have, including the prime minister, the only power at law that they have is to aid and advise the monarch. That's it. And any claim that they can, parliament is supreme, is a complete fraud. Anybody advocating that is either part of the government and is lying and wants the benefits, or they're, um, They've been brainwashed and lied to over the years and never verified anything and so on. You cannot take an oath of allegiance and an oath of office to somebody and then go and say you're a sovereign in parliament and, and do whatever you want on top of it. Um, you, you can't have both. It's one or the other. So in our law, it's, uh, it's Her Majesty in right of parliament or in right of the province. And these ministers who think that they can do whatever they want are completely, completely wrong. Their oath is to the monarch which means if they aid and advise the monarch to do something she has sworn not to do, she cannot give royal assent to it, vis-a-vis -vis the governor general of Canada or the lieutenant governor of the province. And that's exactly what has been happening for decades. And why have no lawyers brought this to the attention? Somebody did try to bring it to it, uh, the court's attention to get Catholicism. They, the, the Pope is really trying to get Catholicism into Canada. It has been banned in our law for five to six hundred years. And they want it back in there, and that's what they're trying to do. And the court, in, in the case that um, uh, we'll talk about in our webinar, um, the court was very clear that the coronation oath is part of our Constitution. And the Supreme Court of Canada has ruled that the Charter, the Constitution Act of 1982, is not exhaustive of all constitutional documents or principles. So it's critical, once you get an analysis that the Constitution Act is not exhaustive, it's not complete, 
And there are other documents, other principles, other laws that are enshrined in our Constitution going back millennia. Um, then it's important to realize what are the limits to these people's powers and what can they do from the monarch all the way down to their to the ministers involved, even to your municipality. And there's a vertical um, a vertical allegiance of, of power. One power cannot usurp another. And if Her Majesty is limited in what she can do, then Parliament cannot start passing statutes that override it. And that goes the same with the legislature. And by delegation, your school boards. So <clears throat> once you can establish the coronation oath is, and it is the longest standing document in our constitution, it is the very basis where all monarchs get their power. Even Lizzie the Lizard, it was where she got her power to sign the charter. And if it wasn't for the coronation oath, she couldn't sign the charter. And that power limits what her rights and duties and her powers and abilities are, period. It sets it out in there. So the primary function of the coronation oath is the protection of the Protestant Christian religion in Canada and England and in the provinces and indeed all the Commonwealth where Her, monarch, uh, Her Majesty is sovereign, which is why there has been a massive, and you mentioned this earlier on, on a spiritual war, Tanya, there has been a massive attempt lately to, um, to remove the monarch or get rid of um, the common law and so forth. Um, I have told people, people have come up at our protests, our rallies, I've talked to people on the street in, uh, in, in meetings and so on, and we got to change the system. We have to get rid of this, we have to get rid of that. And my question has always been in return, what are you going to replace it with? That is better than what we got now. Our system of law is not the problem. The problem is the criminals that are in power who are subverting their oaths, subverting the law. And remember, all power comes from the oath. They're subverting their powers. And people aren't doing anything because they don't know or they're too scared. Our generation, our parents, they didn't do anything, which is why we're here today. And Consequently, we need to be able to start holding these people accountable because the law is the best system of law in the world, common law. You can do anything as long as you don't harm somebody else. And that goes back to what Christ said in the Bible, treat your neighbor as yourself and, and various other principles that he gave us. So that was all brought forth in our Constitution, right going back to from six to 900 AD, all throughout England and all throughout till, till the present. And they want to destroy that, make no mistake, how they want to get rid of that. And every faction has its has its reasons. The judges want to get rid of it because they don't want to they want to have maximum power in the courtroom and to make law and do what they want. That's what they want. They want power and to do whatever they want. Originally the judges walked into court holding the Bible. That's what people rose in court for. They don't come into court with the Bible anymore. So why should you rise in support of them? Technically, mm. what I normally do is I stand outside the court till everybody has, uh, you know, kissed the judge's butt, and then they uh, they sit down. Then I walk in, and 
I think it's important to to realize when we talk about the coronation oath, all sort all power has to come from somewhere. And like I said, if you're on an island, you do whatever you want. Once you get together as a group, then the group of people, whether it's five, a hundred, a thousand, whatever, they need to decide on what laws you're going to have and who's going to enforce them and what powers they're going to have. Because nobody's going to give somebody else unlimited power to do whatever they want to them because they just give themselves into slavery. So that, that's illogical and unreasonable. So they're not going to do that. And they're going to make limits to the powers, in this case, that the monarch has. And those are set forth in the coronation oath. Everything she does is set out in that oath and the coronation oath act. And various other print or constitutional documents as well, going back to uh, Magna Carta 1225 uh, and its revisions, especially 1297, and various other um, documents, the English Bill of Rights and the Act of Settlement, which ironically the judges claim for their judicial independence. So I find it ironic. They don't want to use the supremacy of God or any of these constitutional documents unless, it's, of course, it's to their benefit. And then they want to bring it in and say, look, historically, this is where we got it from. And they use judicial independence today as a weapon to say nobody can interfere with us instead of a tool to say nobody can interfere. So nobody can ask them questions. Nobody can. They just do whatever they want. And that's wrong because they, as agents of Her Majesty, have no more powers than she does. And if she cannot give royal assent to legislation, then the judges cannot rule that that legislation is valid. And again, all they talk about is that charter. And although the charter is there, all the rights and freedoms in the charter were not created out of a vacuum. They came from our common law. And there's a lot that's not in there from our common law and various other constitutional principles that we'll be going through in our webinar as well to show people it's much, much, much more extensive than, than what is in the charter. And the starting point, as I said, is, is that coronation oath. And it, it really requires an extensive um, understanding of what it is and who's in charge and what the limits of their powers are. Because the judges, everybody today, governments, they want you to think Parliament is supreme. They want you to think that, you know, they can do whatever they want. Always, always go back to the beginning. That is the source of everything. And there's a maxim in common law, and it says the most important part of everything is the beginning. Once you look at something 50, 100 years down the road, by then it will have changed incrementally. And by then, you, you've lost the, the fundamental source of whatever it is you were trying to analyze in the first place. So we need to understand and the beginning. And if somebody's going to tell me the coronation oath doesn't apply, I want to know when. Who revoked it? When they revoked it? Who had the power to do it? Where they got the power from? How it was done? Did the people consent to it? And a whole plethora of other questions that come up. And this is the, the benefit of thinking critically when you start examining these documents and their history and what powers they, they lead to, uh, to the monarch and to all your government ministers. Um, Parliament, for example, has its own procedures, but if those procedures violate our common law, and Koch was very clear, the common law will control Parliament, not the other way around. And as a result, over the years, they have come up with this myth that Parliament will change the common law whatever they want, and the judges have allowed them to do that. 
Who did that? Where did they come up with this power that they can change our rule of law? Especially because in the coronation oath, one of the first things it says is that the monarch is required to uphold all our previous existing common law rights, freedoms, and, and um, procedures. So if they're required to do that, how did they go about saying we can change the common law? And the only way they can do that is by breaking the law themselves and violating their oaths. So this um, um, webinar we're going to do on the coronation oath is, is extremely important. All our sources of information are going to be made known to you on every slide. And that's important because when I got started, I realized that if I didn't know where the information was coming from, somebody was going to say, how do you know that? And if you don't know, then you look stupid. So I realized back in Winnipeg that I had to do extensive amounts of research. And I'm, I'm grateful that I had the time to do it. Uh, I was working, but I was single most of that time. So I was able to go and spend night after night in the library and on the weekends and, and so on. and sacrificed a lot of time to, to get that. And as I said in previous um, uh previous rally talks and being on the show here, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance and everybody will sacrifice in certain ways. And it's not necessarily true that one way is better than the other. Somebody may do just a little sacrifice today, but the benefits may come 20 years from now. Other may do, people may do a lot of sacrifices today, which may result in benefits today or further down the road as well. But ultimately all freedom requires sacrifice by everybody. And we all need to be prepared to make those sacrifices. So again, with the coronation oath, it's just critical that we know and understand what it does because everything else, the rule of law, parliament, the legislatures, the judges, every, every single aspect of our law flows from those oaths and from the coronation oath. And if you don't understand it and what the limits are, you're not going to be able to tell anybody what you're doing is wrong because you don't know the source of their power. There's a, another principle in law that um, jurisdiction is never presumed. Um, it has to be proven. Once it's proven, then it's presumed that somebody that's in that exercising that power is doing it legitimately unless you can prove otherwise. So if somebody, in other words, if somebody is going to say, I'm telling you what to do and I have the power to tell you what to do, they have to prove at law that they have the power to do it, which involves where they got the power from, how they got it, with the nature of what they're trying to tell you to do, and a whole plethora of other questions. Only after somebody has proven and you go, yeah, okay, you do have that power in this limited circumstance to say what I can do in, in this circumstance, then it's presumed that the people will be doing something correctly after that. So, that applies to our situation today, which goes back to what we were saying earlier about people who think that nobody can tell you what to do. As long as our laws, statutes, orders, ordinances, uh, proclamations, and so on, as long as they do not violate the oath and the supremacy of God in our law, then they can be issued. And that is the supremacy of our law. Other people have come up and they've said, well, I wasn't here in 1867, and I didn't agree to any of these terms. And there's a provision, a principle that one parliament 
cannot bind another. Her Majesty cannot bind the, the previous monarch that comes in. If that was the case, then every time you had an election or a monarch died, you would have to repass every single statute that ever existed, which is clearly not only illogical, it's unreasonable. So Parliament and the, and the monarch uh, passed their laws, which will remain in effect until somebody comes back and challenges them and says, no, it was wrong. But that's also where your power of civil disobedience comes from, is from that oath. And we're going to talk extensively about that. Um, people need to be empowered. And if they're going to tell the government, no, I'm not going to tell you what to do, they need to do that without trembling hands. And they need to stand in their power and know that they have the lawful right, the lawful power is better word to, to do that. Um, the whole aspect of the coronation oath is a limit on what somebody can do to tell you what to do. And there are provisions where it's necessary. If you didn't have somebody telling you that everybody has to drive or travel on the right side of the road, you'd have anarchy on the roads. We wouldn't get anywhere. And this is where the absurdity comes in of people saying that nobody can tell me what to do. It, it really is. Uh, it, it really is illogical and stupid to be able to say that. There's, um, you know, I, I've said for years there is a place for mainstream medicine. People have died without getting surgery. People are alive because they had surgery in mainstream medicine. And it's the same with law. Um, there is a place for law, for governments to say, look, these are the regulations and uh, laws that need to be followed. And as long as they don't violate the higher sources of law, going right up to God's law, then they're binding. And if you don't like the laws that are here, if you don't like the supremacy of God in our law, go live somewhere else. Go change the law in another country if you think you're going to make it better. But the bottom line of God's laws was the same. You can do everything, just don't infringe on the rights and freedoms of other people. And of course, that, that's not getting into the, the faith issue that you have to have faith in God and so on, because that, that's a, a separate issue. I'm just talking the legality component right now. But ultimately, if you don't, if you, if you think that our law is wrong or, or, hey, I didn't vote for that, I didn't vote for the BNA Act in 1867, I wasn't here. But on the other hand, requiring Parliament to repass it every year so you can vote for somebody and have a, a say in the matter is just stupid, absolutely stupid. You, you'd be voting and passing on every single law in existence uh, every time there was an election or the king died or the queen died. So it's just absolutely stupid, pure and simple. This is our law. It's the best system of law in the world. Mm -hmm. You will not find any system of law better than the common law that we have. And in fact, it's a constitutional republic. And it's a republic based because the queen is, and the monarch is based on the law that exists. And the law is immutable and cannot be changed. So uh, that's one of the reasons they had a problem in, in England joining Europe. Because the common law does not allow any other type of law or higher law to supplant it. And that's why there was such an outcry in England, because they said, our law does not allow you to join the European Union and have them tell us what to do in our common law. And they're correct. And that's the same basis why we should not be in the, um, in the United Nations or the World Health Organization. Our common law does not recognize any other system of law, and we'll talk about that in our, in our webinar as well. These are principles most of the lawyers don't even know about. 
and they should be fighting on your benefit and our benefit for them. Because anytime you join an agency like the UN or somebody, you give up part of your sovereignty. And the common law does not allow that, period. It's, it's a fundamental maximum of our law that all power rests with the monarch. And the monarch, in turn, in turn is required uh, to be in, um, in concert. All her laws are concerts with God laws and God's laws in the Bible. And if there's a discrepancy, God's laws prevail, period. And um, so as you can see, just from this, this short analysis here, the seriousness and implications of that coronation oath in our law and our common law. And uh, folks, I haven't even begun to get into property issues. We're going to talk about property rights, where property comes from in our constitution, the benefits of where it is as opposed to the charter, how property is defined. And we've got 180 slides just dealing with personhood that we're going to go through. And I'm going to uh, dispel any myth, every myth out there on personhood. I researched that extensively and ironically it started in um, UBC in Victoria when I was there one day and some woman was running out and ran right into me and her papers went flying and they were all over the floor and I tried to help her pick them up and she was apologizing and I just finally, she was just running away and I said, what's the rush? And she said, my prof told me I have to do a paper on, um, on, on person, on, on personhood and she said, I haven't even started. And then she ran away and I thought, Okay, so personhood is taught in first-year law school. What is a person? And that started me on my uh, analysis of, uh, of personhood and what, what a train of research that was. It, it was just absolutely amazing. And the issue of personhood will support the coronation oath as well and support all the other principles that I was talking about. So we're going to get into that. Um, if anybody wants to look it up, uh, Hofeld wrote an article in the 1920s. He was a law professor. And again, uh, Carl Eisbrenner, the lawyer here in the Okanagan, said, Dave, you've got to read this guy. And I finally went and read his, his materials. And wow, I mean, I read this stuff and read it and read it. I must have read it 10 times before I could understand it. But as much as um, people want science, people want a science of law. And Denning commented that in England, Lord Denning and various others, going back to Coke, that law has to be a science. If you leave it for interpretation or arbitrariness, nobody's never going to know what to do. And a lot of uh, legal, uh, law, lawful legal uh, profs, philosophers have tried to reduce law, our common law, to its fundamental basis. Hofeld did that, and I'm going to be going through an extensive analysis of that as well. And it'll apply not only to COVID and uh, all the um, uh, statutes, ordinances, all the orders of Bonnie Henry and all your health ministers, but it'll apply to income tax and various other things as well, because once you find out that property is a constitutional uh, a right, that changes the whole nature of income tax, period. Um, and that's something that, uh, that, that, that's going to get raised in the future. So my question has always been, if property is a constitutional right, why are these lawyers always arguing under the charter? They lose some other client says, yeah, you know, I want property in the charter. So another lawyer goes and argue, argues it knowing it's been decided under the charter as well. Everything goes back to that coronation oath and it's going to be of critical importance to 
see the materials, hear it, hear my explanation of them and what they mean and how important they are because ultimately God is the source of all our law. And if you don't like it, if people are opposed to it, start a country on another island because you won't find anything better than what we have here in our law. The problem is not the system. The problem is the criminals in the system and the people who have done nothing about it, including letting them pass laws, statutes, and orders that violate God's laws and do nothing about it. That is the problem. And that's what we're trying to reverse and going to keep trying to reverse in the, um, in the future as well. So I hope we're going to be, and in fact, at some point, we are going to be successful. There's been revolutions throughout English history. It's a circular thing. And that comes back to people, um, you know, eventually the, the kings get out of, uh, out of control, think they're, they're immune, they can do whatever they want, and there's a revolt. King James had to leave. I think there's been nine uh, kings or queens that have either died or been forced out of England for abusing their power. And yeah, yeah, there's risks. But the risk in doing nothing, in taking that choice and saying, I'm not going to do anything, is that you're going to find things a lot worse than they are today. Mm-hmm. All power comes from your ability to say, no, I'm not going to do what you're telling me to do. And that's not just arrogance. That is a constitutional right and power that you have that comes from that coronation oath. And I'm going to explain all of that, show you where in law that all comes from, the sources, and you'll be able to verify everything. And we're going to be doing Q&A throughout the whole session. It's about, uh, I'm going to estimate roughly 14 episodes. Each show is going to be a little longer, but about two hours. And I'm going to make sure that um, your questions are answered as we go through uh, through each episode, because um, I can't and likely won't be able to tell everybody everything they want to know, so the questions will have to get answered. And um, for people who um, who come on for either you know several episodes or the whole uh, the whole series, what we're going to do is make it available on our website, our clear website. It'll be available with a password. So if you forget stuff or you miss stuff, you'll be able to go and uh, and see that afterwards and go, wow, here it is. I can access it myself afterwards. So I'm looking forward to sharing all that information and, and, and a phenomenon where we got over 1,200 slides that we're going to share with everybody. And um, every source is going to be verified where it came from. Absolutely. So I hope that uh, gives you a, a good overview of the importance of the coronation oath and what we're going to be talking in our webinar. And um, uh, yeah, if there's any questions or anything right now, I'd be happy to answer them as well. And I definitely want to um, just thank Tanya just for allowing me to speak on that too. Thank you. Hey, David. Yeah, thank you. I was sitting here taking some notes because um, I really don't think that uh, I'm hoping that you've been able to touch on some of the really relevant issues that's tied to the coronation oath. Uh, You were the person who first brought it to my attention back in 2020. I'd never heard of the coronation oath. They're not teaching about uh, us about this in school. And the more that I've learned about it over the years, the more I realized why. I've always called this a very powerful document and a buried treasure that we need to resurrect again. And, uh, you know, when you talk about how our Charter of Rights 
you know, that uh, what they've what they have based the Charter of Rights on was very much from the coronation oath, which come from biblical principles. And, uh, you know, if we take a look at the few biblical principles and I know that Canada is very diverse and they've tried to say that we're a secular nation so that we wouldn't uh, embrace the foundation of this nation that our forefathers have gifted us with because biblical principles are really the best um, principles and values that a country can run by and the belief system. So they say we're a secular nation, then a multicultural nation. And I've talked uh, quite freely about how many immigrants are coming to Canada from nations, maybe from uh, Islamic nations or communist nations or Hindu nations, etc. And uh, the government is allowing them to come in and basically set up failed foreign policies within a community here in Canada. And it's causing division. And we've always been a very open nation about having it's uh, you, the government would like to say that's racist. They'd like to paint every brush with racist because they don't want us to be able to protect our sovereignty as a nation. But we have a right to based on what this nation was founded on. And this is where the coronation oath comes in. So if we look at biblical principles, you were talking, uh, you know, about how the coronation oath is based on biblical principles. And we talk about work, for instance. What has the government done in the past three years? They've tried to prohibit people from working. Well, what does the Bible say about that? It says you need to be earning a living, right? That you have a right to, that you need to. On the seventh day, you shall rest. You don't eat unless you work, right? Unless you've got a corrupt government doling out some cash, which is great, you know, for the kids, the teenagers and stuff that are living in their mother's basements now and, you know, not having to uh, become responsible adults. And this is part of socialism and getting individuals relying on the government. So one is that we need to work. We need to be employed. And, um, you know, again, this is not a derogatory comment about the Indigenous people in Canada, but truly the Indian Act has hurt the Indigenous people because they've gotten all kinds of privileges, financial doleouts, Uh, Their school systems, you know, uh, the education system isn't working for them. And it's made them also reliant on the government to the point where they're pointing the finger that if anything goes wrong, it's the government's fault. But to the rest of Canadians, we need to be working really hard to buy our house and uh, do the things that, you know, that we're privileged to have. But we've worked for them and there's a certain pride that comes with that. And you become more respectful of of finances, of being able to earn a living. And uh, with the Indigenous community, they're missing out on that. And I think that's why uh, possibly there's alcoholism, drug addictions. And we see where education has not, uh, no matter the color of your skin or or who you're involved with, if you lack an education, um, many times it means that you're not going to reach your full potential in life. And and so I think, one, it's very important for us to work. Property rights, that's a huge one to Canadians again. And again, they're trying to use UNDRIP, United Nations rights for Indigenous peoples to take away property and land from Canadians. And it doesn't have anything to do with them caring about Indigenous rights. It has to do with them using the Indigenous uh, rights and land to take away all citizens' rights. And in the end, the Indigenous people are not going to end up with Canada. That is not the objective from the uh, from the government at this point. 
There's things like honoring your parents. Look what the government has done in the past three years to our elderly and to our parents in the care homes. I, I was talking with a couple yesterday, and for eight months, they haven't been able to have access to their elderly parent, who is actually so terrified she can't see. So she gets out of bed, she urinates on the floor and gets back into bed. This is how our elderly are being, being treated in Canada. That doesn't align with our biblical standards. So for anybody that's on the call right now, and you say, oh my goodness, you know, you're all talking about religion and stuff. It is absolutely essential to Canadians' freedoms. It is one of, as David says, the best systems in the world to live by. And so one, we've got to um, create a tremendous amount of civil disobedience in this country, which is a, a, a long-honored tradition when faced with tyrannical governments. We've got to embrace the coronation, coronation oath and understand how powerful this document is and start educating others and elected officials on it. And um, as you said, and I love it, you said the coronation oath has never been rescinded, revised or amended, and therefore it stands in full force today. And so that's why I want people to sign up for your course. Yes, you know what? It is going to cost some money to attend David's course. Uh, we've been used to giving everything away for free, but I want you to understand that um, there is no lawyer with the amount of money. I think it would, you'd get an hour and a half from a lawyer for the time that you uh, get over the a full webinar series with David. And so to me, it is truly an investment. So I encourage you to sign up with David. You'll be educated. And what have I always said, right? Knowledge is power. And when you have it, you got to share it. Yeah. So get educated on the coronation oath, on your rights, property rights, even the personhood. I don't know about David, so I'm, I'm going to get educated as well. And you've spent thousands of hours and 30 years preparing the information that you make available to Canadians. So we're very grateful. I want to get right away to questions. And so, Terenzio, if there's anybody with raised hands, possibly if you have a question, raise your hand. I know there's some in the Q&A as well, and we're going to do our best to fire these out. Can I mention one thing before we get to the Q&A? <clears throat> sure can. Um, there was an article I was reading that um, there's been, the Governor General's office has been receiving 1,500 to 4,500 calls a day demanding for the resignation of Trudeau, that he, or that he be fired by the Governor General. And a law professor uh, at Canadian Studies, um, and, the, and the Governor General is trying to say they don't have that power. And Nobody is analyzing it from the beginning again. Her Majesty is in charge. All laws are in her name and so forth. Parliament's here to aid and advise her, including the, including Trudeau. If they're aiding and advising Her Majesty to break the law, then Her Majesty has the power to tell Parliament, don't do that because I can't give mm -hmm. royal assent to those laws. And if they keep doing it, then Parliament, or I should say Her Majesty, has the power to tell the Governor General or the governor general can do it on his own or his or her own on behalf of the monarch to to dissolve the parliament and get rid of the prime minister. Right. And if that doesn't work, then Her Majesty has the power to call in the armed forces and depose the criminals in parliament who are breaking the law because the armed forces have sworn allegiance to Her Majesty, mm -hmm. not to parliament. And that's something that I would like to see happen is have the governor general tell, tell Trudeau, listen, and the lieutenant governors who are allowing this garbage in our schools and say, look, you can't be doing this. You yeah. either do it or I'm forcing you out. 
And if you don't, we'll call in the armed forces to get you out. That is what needs to happen to preserve our common, our common law and our coronation oath in Canada. So how do we appeal to Her Majesty, the Queen? I don't have her phone number. If anybody does, <laughs> send it my way or her email contact. But seriously, though, how, how do we make this appeal to Her Majesty, the Queen? Because we've been at this for several years, even pre-COVID, we were talking about this. I remember when they were post, uh, passing Motion M103. And for those who you who don't know what that is, that's the Islamic motion that basically victimized Islamists in Canada. Uh, and and what it was doing is it was uh, strengthening their their power for those radical ones that uh, really have a sinister agenda to come into Canada and take it over. And really, what the government did was treasonous, even allowing this motion to be presented to Parliament and voted on. And Justin Trudeau has funded terrorism. Tom Quiggan will be on next week. And uh, Tom Quiggan had filed an incredible criminal charge against Justin Trudeau, Christia Freeland, Omar Algabar, and, and a couple of others. And uh, other police that have looked at it says this is a no-brainer. He's guilty. And so we were looking nice. at, okay, well, the Queen must be able to remove him. So fill me in a bit on that, David. Well, I would I would just go directly to the Governor General, who under the BNA Act is uh, 1867 or Constitution Act 1867 is the Queen's representative for Canada. I would go directly to the Governor General and demand that, pursuant to their oath of allegiance and oath of office to her monarch, that Trudeau has violated his oath of allegiance and oath of office by taking these specified actions. You therefore have duty to remove him from power. If you don't, then we are going to ask the, the Minister of the Armed Forces um, in Canada National Defence. And if they don't, then you would go straight to the Queen. Ultimately, it may be a political issue. If they say, no, we're not going to do it, um, I mean, you can get rallies around their uh, Governor General's office and so on, but you can go right to the Superior Court of your province and um, and demand an order forcing them to uh, to get rid of the, uh, the Prime Minister for what he's doing as well. And... Um, Ultimately, if, if all court action fails, then it'll come down to the same thing that's happened nine times throughout English history. People will sit back and they'll say, you know what, we're not doing what you tell us to do. And we're forcing you out of the country. And they'll take the governor right. general and uh, say, listen, if you're not doing it, get out of Canada and go, go, go work somewhere else because you yeah. have committed treason if you don't do it. Yeah, I'm sitting here making all these notes right in in my head. I'm going, we all know that Trudeau has surrounded himself by, um, you know, a compliant governor general, uh, Commissioner Lucky. I mean, they themselves are committing treason just by the fact that they are not taking action against Trudeau, who is trying to bring in this radical tyranny and make us a, you know, a, a communist state uh, reliant upon the UN and WHO, who are uh, unelected bodies who are interfering yep. with our freedoms. And so, yeah, the pushback has to continue. I think that we should be doing that definitely at all levels. Somebody had asked the uh, ah. question, look at little Castro there, <laughs> little Castro Jr. Ah. <laughs> no. um, right? So uh, yeah. come on, you guys all know it. You you all know it. You've seen the pictures, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so um, somebody has asked, so what happens when the queen passes? Because she is getting on in age, uh, despite the, uh, you know, the assumptions that she's been, 
you know, taking some things to, to make her look a, a little younger and stay young. Um, I don't know if I believe in all, all that, but she's getting older, right? What happens when the queen passes? Uh, where does the coronation oath stand at that point? The coronation oath is still part of our constitution and the exact wording is still part of our constitution. The only way it can get changed is if all the premiers agree, Parliament of Canada agrees, all the parliaments of all the Commonwealth agree, the mm -hmm. Parliament of England agrees, and then the monarch has to sign it. That's the only way it can get changed. Having said that, when she passes, I think it's Prince Charles who's next in line. He will have the same ceremony that she took in 1953. And I'll be showing you videos of that ceremony in our presentation mm -hmm. to support my position on the supremacy of God. And he'll have to take the same oath. So that oath is there, and, and they cannot lawfully or constitutionally change it. If they try and change it, it's treason. He has no power or no duty to be obeyed, period, if he tries to do yeah. that. But... Um, Prince Charles will have to come in after she passes away, and uh, and he will have to take the exact same oath that is set yeah. out in the Coronation Oath Act. Okay, well, you know, that's that's interesting. Thanks for answering that question. Every time I hear treason, you know, you hear the movies where it's off with their heads. And, uh, you know, it's exactly, you know, when you see the kind of... Um, brutal uh, leadership that uh, Trudeau is overseeing in Canada. You, you, some people say back with the guillotine and, you know, where do you go with somebody that's committed this kind of treason? Uh, jail is too good for him. Shipping him out of the country, uh, they could all say head, oh, head over to, to an island and uh, live their days out there. But it's pretty serious situation very serious situation of what we're up against. And that's why I said earlier on in my introduction that, you know, this is World War III. Uh, this is not a yeah. joke. Uh, we're having a little bit of lightheartedness about this uh, right now, but it's extremely serious. And we need to figure out a way to get him removed. I do believe to the bottom of my heart that Trudeau will be the first prime minister removed from office. I, I, I've just had this feeling about for about three or four years. And uh, people, I'm so grateful, are, are waking up and getting on board and fewer and fewer are going to comply uh, when we go into the, the fall and into the winter. And there will be a new virus. I just hope it's not one that they're going to unleash on Canadians. And uh, some severe actions need to take place in order to get these individuals removed. And we can certainly see how... Um, Hitler stayed in power for as long as he did. Nobody took the opportunity upon themselves to risk it all to take care of the matter. And I don't know where this is going, but uh, time will tell. All right, Terenzio, do you have some hands up? I'm saying some pretty pretty out there things tonight. I know that. <laughs> but it's it's something that I would imagine the mo many of us are have crossed our minds. Absolutely. Yes, we do have some hands up. And for those who would like to ask questions in Zoom, if you go down to the bottom of your Zoom screen, you will see raise hands, a little picture of a hand icon, and we will put you into queue. First we have up is Angela. Hi, Angela. Yes, I would like to take this course uh, primarily because I have a grandchild who's 21 he was into this CRISPR and all kinds of sci-fi crap. And now because he's taken the jab, he has a heart tumor and high blood pressure. And God alone knows what else he has. And I'm also very concerned about children who have been apprehended, in my mind, very unethically, 
by so-called child and family services. I yep. come from Manitoba, and now I'm in BC. And I, I'd like to know how much your course costs. Uh, the registration papers, um, what we do is it's on our website, and we'll put it up here. I think Terenzio has the flyer as well for it. But generally, it depends on whether you want uh, to see one episode or all of them. And so we just send it out. Uh, if you want to send us an, an email to clear2012, right there is our email at pm.me, then we'll send you the whole information package as well. That will have all the information. Yeah, I, and you will accept time payments, I hope, because I'm living on old age, old age pension. <laughs> Some, something will get Thank worked you. out, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank so you, much. Angela. Get to have people come on, and, and to that effect, if there's a, uh, um, you know, if if you're on a fixed pension or something like that, we'll work something out. Absolutely. Yeah, and David. Yeah. yeah. Thank Not you. Well, I learn learn this. I intend to teach others too. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you, Angela, for that. And and I am so, so sorry to hear about your 21-year-old grandchild having been affected by the jab. Um, that's why I'm quite bold tonight. I am a super perturbed about all of the uh, situations I'm hearing about injury and death. And that's why I'm so bold as to say I believe the government is committing heinous crimes against the citizens of this nation. And we need to call it what it is. It is murder. There is no doubt that if we know people are dying directly related to these injections, that Justin Trudeau, Bonnie Henry, and all the rest of them are completely informed as well. All right. So uh, next question, Terenzio. Yes. Next question is from Marianne. And uh, by the way, Tanya, for those that aren't able to connect with us with their audio, it actually means that their Zoom is out of date or they don't have a, an early enough version. For the, so for those who okay. have ever tried in the past... Please make sure that you're always updated with Zoom. Uh, Marianne, are you with us? Marianne, can you unmute? Sometimes we have a little bit of difficulty with that. I, I'll look to see as well because I know there's a Q&A questions to see if Marianne had put something in there. Yes. Oh, it's a different Marianna. Okay, we oh, can go to the next. Uh, next we okay. have is uh, Dennis. Or Denise, I apologize if I read that wrong. Denise. I'm you. Oh, am I on? There now? you are. You are, Denise. Oh, What's your question? Hi. Yeah, my question is, I just thank you for all the information you've given tonight. It's just absolutely wonderful. But um, my son-in-law came in from Holland into Montreal, and he was fine on three different, um, for three different reasons, quarantine and whatnot. He stood his ground and said he wouldn't comply, and he didn't have the Arrive Can app, and for all those reasons, he was fine. He's overwhelmed by what to do about this, and we don't know where to find a lawyer that would um, defend him. Well, David, do you have a response to that? He's come in, he's been fined, but yeah, if, uh, correct me he if I'm wrong, David. He lives in Oliver, BC, so he's close to, I think, where oh. uh, David He's in the Okanagan. Cool. Yeah. Um, as to what lawyer. Uh, you know, I, I don't know a lot of lawyers. Um, most of the lawyers I do know are criminal lawyers, um, as opposed to something in this area. So I apologize. I, I just don't know a lot of lawyers, but if he's got 
a fined ticket, number one, it's important to dispute it within the time period that's on that ticket. That, that's first and foremost. Get yeah, that in and that. follow the instructions and, and get that in. Yeah. And yeah. Um, once that's um, that's been done, then he can, uh, he's got time on his hands because it probably won't get heard for six to nine months at least. So there'll be ability um, to find a lawyer in the Okanagan. I, I honestly don't know a lot of lawyers. Um, fighting yeah, it th- is something that, that I think he, the, law, uh, the Crown has stayed a lot of the charges against people that have fought them. That I do know. Um, but they need to be challenged. And in my opinion, to be properly challenged, a constitutional challenge or question would have to get filed in response to it. And that's something that um, the government knows most people don't have the, the knowledge or the finances in order to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think your, your question is, is, is a good one. Where, where can we find a lawyer? And um, this goes back to what I said earlier, too. A lot of lawyers don't want to take on or don't want to say a lot of things that, that violate the, uh, their instructions from the law society, same as the doctors are keeping uh, quiet from the, from the uh, College of Physicians. Mm-hmm. But um, there is a, uh, a Christian Lawyers Association out of Ontario, and they may be able to put you on to somebody that's got some morals and ethics uh, behind them in order to fight it. I think it's called the Ontario Christian Lawyers Association. Okay. And um, there may be a synonymous body here in, in, um, in British Columbia. Um, you know, they're called legal liars for a reason. And um, mm-hmm. if you can find, even in BC, type in, you know, BC Christian lawyers or something, you may be able to find somebody uh, with some morals and ethics behind them and behind their, mm-hmm. their Christian faith that would be able to be in a position to help you. That would be my searching starting point anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I reached out I, to I, ARPA and they couldn't help. And my daughter's reached out to Lawyers for Truth. To who? And at Lawyers for Truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Denise, yeah. what I was going to recommend yeah. as well, there's a, a lawyer, he's going to make me hate me for putting it out there, Paul Jaffe, J-A-F-F-E. And yeah. he's in Vancouver. Um, give his office a call. He is the lawyer that's um, representing Barry Newfeld, who's on okay. the front line of a huge Supreme Court challenge uh, for being the only trust, the very first trustee in 2016 to oppose the Soji One Two Three agenda. And uh, so Paul has been in this for, with him for the long haul. But the other thing that we need to remember, Rebel News had all the fight the fines and as people were getting the tickets for various things. And the court is, as far as to the best of my knowledge, has been dismissing all of them because there was no grounds to write these tickets. Um, right. So he just needs to flip that ticket over. He needs to contest it. And uh, they've got such a lineup to get into court. I've heard that a lot of them are being dismissed uh, because they're uh, timing out. So that's something else to, yeah, that's something else to consider as well. Okay, we'll go to the next question. Um, Thank Thank you. you. Yeah, good luck to you. you. Keep us posted. Uh, So what I'm going to do right now, David, is there's a uh, Mm -hmm. Q&A section, and I'm going to do a little bit of rapid fire. I'm going to ask questions sure. that people have written, and let's see. I haven't read them in advance, so hopefully they will uh, aren't ones we've already sure. um, answered. All right. I filed Lane a private of information yesterday. I was approved and appear before the judge October 11th. I categorized my evidence but did not specify what section needs to be highlighted. 
example, that is my contract states that if there are charges, both parties have to sign, but I did not sign the vaccine policy. Or will Crown and Judge just look at the evidence? What province? Uh, does it say a province? Adam, what province are you in? I don't know if, uh, even if you do it in the chat, Adam, to say what province that you're in. He has his hand raised. Oh, okay, so we'll get to Adam okay. in a second then. All right, maybe we'll answer that okay. question. And there was a second part to that. Uh, we'll just have him on. Uh, okay, Jer okay, Jermila has asked, after filing a grievance on, behalf, on my behalf against the employer, the union dropped my case since the employer didn't budge an inch. I'm going to fill out duty of fair representation with the Ontario Labour Relations Board, but it seems, based on my negative experience with any and every institution in Ontario, that me being terminated with cause will just stay with me. Any advice? Well, the, the going through the unions, it is really problematic because I don't know any union uh, really that supported anybody that stood for freedom and said, no, I don't want to get vaxxed. Keeping in mind, forcing somebody to be vaxxed against their will is a criminal assault under the criminal code, 265, mm -hmm. 266 of the criminal code. And again, why these uh, unions and uh, lawyers have not utilized that provision is beyond me. But... Um, so the union is, if they're not doing anything, the only option is to either take the employer to court civilly on your own or, again, to file criminal charges. And um, the problem in Ontario with criminal charges, it's not really a problem you can get through, but um, they are putting up administrative roadblocks. So they want to know all the details and uh, what evidence you're going to use. And it's simply none of their business. And they have no statutory right or power to demand that you give them that information. That's for your process hearing. But you can get through it, as, as a number of people have done, and you can get uh, your charges heard. And the one thing I'll say about uh, laying criminal charges is make sure you have your evidence. Make sure it's chronological, choreographed. It's, it's everything's in order. And um, and you can explain it as well when you um, when you go to do your process hearing for criminal charges or screening hearing because that's going to be important. But with the union itself, if the union's not doing anything, um, you either need to sue the employer for assault and battery, fraud, negligence. There may be a number of other what are called torts that you can get them on, or um, you may be even you may even be able to include your union in there. If you've got a contract and you, uh, you've got provisions in there as to what your duties are for the union and they're not doing their duty, you can include the union in the lawsuit and sue them minimally for negligence as well. But again, the most important thing is, A, the evidence, keeping it, uh, keeping it in good quality shape and making sure it's there. And um, if you can put it in point form, it's good. For example, January 5th, this happened. January 6th, this happened and so on. And outline what your union has done and keep the evidence, all your communications and so on, you'll be in a much better position. But you can definitely mm -hmm. sue your union for uh, for negligence okay. if they're not supporting you as well. Okay, yeah, you pay union dues for a reason, right? And uh, they're, in the, they're not there to protect <clears throat> the employer, they're there to protect you. Um, I've had some very good experiences uh, firsthand myself coming up against 
unions uh, on behalf of city workers um, in two different districts. We serve the notice of liability to the union leaders. We've got one specific for that. The other one to the employers. Uh, this one happened to do with the city, so we included mayor and city council. Anybody and everybody got included, uh, CC'd in that email. We just brought it all to the table. We exposed the bad players. And my goodness, boy, they do not like being <coughs> under the light. So when you shine a big bad light on the fact that what they're doing is illegal and unlawful and you've served them the notice of liability and other documents that we have, we got really, really good shifts and change. Um, in Surrey, British Columbia, it ends up they were going to mandate vaccinations for the uh, school staff, the experimental injection. And uh, I ended up getting real busy serving notices liability along with an employee. And uh, that was done in November. And by January, they had overturned it. They didn't make it real obvious that they had done. They just sent an inter-office memo out and they had removed the threat to put people on unpaid leave. And so that was a huge win. And then I also got somebody else uh, reinstated from uh, a city that had uh, really, in a very deceitful way, uh, had her sign her own, her own dismissal, basically. And it was without her awareness and so we got her reinstated as well. So things can be done. But again, you really need to know what you're doing. Uh, those template letters are on our website on the Notice of Liability page. I just want okay. to comment on that. Um, in response to a lot of questions, um, I'm going on the assumption right now that notices have been served and so on, primarily mm -hmm. because um, I'm, I'm the tone that I'm getting from a lot of questions is, you know, what are way do now and a lot of that can involve legal action but legal action really is the last thing you want to do mm -hmm. is, is go to court it's there you need to know how to do it and, and what options in case you have to threaten them with legal action but ultimately um, you want to try administrative um, operations first and serve notices on them uh, as Tanya has advised and done successfully try to serve them legal notices and try to try to get them to back off first without going to court, because court is always a last resort. But you mm -hmm. need to be able to have that ability to threaten them if they don't still don't do anything. So I just yeah. want to get that and we there. want to make sure you're fully equipped to do that with the best evidence possible. Uh, Trenzio, can you bring mm -hmm. Adam on? I understand that he was in the queue with his hand up. Absolutely. Adam, you there he is. are up. Hi, Adam. Can you unmute? No. Oh. Okay, thank you. I, I did have a couple of questions that I did have in the chat. I did lay my information, but my year is coming up because you said I had one year. So that's coming up on September 21st. And I don't, I go before um, a judge to hear my process hearing on October 11th at 9 a.m. Is that going to be a problem? He's in, he's in BC, um, no. David, okay. which is... Good. Awesome. <laughs> um, number one, it, a year is from the day you swear the charge in. So if, it's not from the day of the process hearing. It's the day you laid the charge. So if the offense took place on September 15 last year and you laid your information, uh, say, August 29th of this year, you're within that year, and that's fine, even if your process hearing doesn't take place until the end of September or October or something. Okay, that's awesome. And um, you said to have all my evidence chronologically. I don't have it chronologically, but I do have it listed. So my Exhibit A, I have my contract. And so the only thing I did was say Exhibit A and on my front 
I just said copy of my contract and I accessed that through the Freedom of Information Act under the file number and I gave the date and I said there's no mention of any vaccine policy in the agreement mm-hmm. and what the contract states if there are any changes to the contract both parties have to agree and both parties have to sign and there is no evidence mm-hmm. of my signing the contract so um, okay. I'm just okay. using that as an example Good. so there's eight pages of my contract I just left it all in there. Do I have to highlight where it states where there has to be, or could I just leave yeah, it for yeah, the crown? Yeah. Well, you're going to need three copies of all, and, and that's the thing. When, when you go to your process hearing, you need three copies of all your evidence, one for the court, one for the crown, and one for you. And um, you should highlight it, the relevant sections that you're going to quote, whatever the document is, because uh, time is at a premium and, Judges are lazy. They really are. And I'm talking historically going back to Middle Ages. <laughs> Judges are lazy. So they want you to do all the work for them. So if you can highlight it um, and the sections that are important that you're going to reference, it, it, it'll, uh, it'll put a smile on their face, at least in that regard anyway, and, uh, and make things easier for you. So, yeah, definitely do that. If it's not in chronological, just do the best you can. Whatever you're, you're going to put first is fine as long as you can make sure you reference it. And explain to the judge what it is you're you're uh, you're doing. Where, uh, if you don't mind me asking, where in BC are you going to be going to court? Yeah, it'll be in Nanaimo. I also okay. I also do. I gave a, a a settlement letter two weeks ago, and I said I want to hear from you ASAP. And if I don't hear from you, then I will, you know, take take action. So that is why I went. And, laid the information so i guess i could include that in the evidence just say i did this is the last resort i did not want to go through court but uh, here i am i wouldn't bother i wouldn't bother you don't want to include settlement letters in your charge you're you're exposing that they committed criminal offenses why would you want to tell the court that you're negotiating with a criminal that comes off the court and um i i wouldn't uh I, i would leave that off the record Okay. Uh, David, can I can I suggest that uh, maybe Adam Sheila can get Adam's contact information, and that maybe mm-hmm. you could be in touch with him separately because I think this is a case of interest, especially it being in BC. Is that okay, yeah, Adam? Yeah, October eleventh. That would be good too. And... Uh, yeah, I would be honored to. Yes, for sure. Okay. Sure. All yeah. right. So Sheila, you see. Connect you and Sheila in the chat. So I know we've got more hands up, but I'm going to just quickly go through some of the shorter questions here. Can you still press charges if you haven't served the liability papers? Yes. 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 But we would recommend Notices you can still even serve there to, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're there to serve, and, and they do provide evidence of your intention and your desire not to, to get vaccinated and so on. So they are important, and if you can get them served notices, absolutely, it's highly recommended that you do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, super. And it's I, to me, it's never too late to serve the notice of liability. Uh, you weren't aware of it prior. prior. You send it to uh, your union or your employer saying, I was unaware uh, of, of completely of my rights and the egregious offenses you have committed against me. So I'm taking this opportunity to serve you. Don't even give them a heads up. Just, uh, you know, if you can't see them in person, make sure you send it by registered mail. And, and get her done and then add it to your um, evidence. Okay, will going on EI complicate things if I decide to pursue an NOL? I was mandate fired as a registered care aide. However, my employer said he would say something other than refuse the jab for my ROE if I were to apply. 
Um, to me, there's no negotiating with any employers on this because they're wrong. What they're doing is 100% they're committing an offense and you need to stand uh, completely and 100% on your rights. But David, I'll hand that one over to you. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You, you don't want to get them lying on um, on your legal documents that you're going to be filing as well. Um, if he's threatening to fire you unless you get assaulted, which is being vaxxed, that's what you need to rely upon. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, you don't want to be negotiating with criminals, right? No, perfect. So, yeah. I don't know what the result will be with the EI. Uh, I've heard conflicting comments that sometimes uh, EI has refused to give benefits if you haven't got vaxxed. Other ones I've heard they've backed down and they have given it. And once challenged, they've backed down as well. So they can be given mm-hmm. notices too if they try anything like that, right? Right. And, and as well, Kashmir, it has um, serving a notice of liability has nothing to do with whether or not you qualify for EI. That's completely separate. If you are being forced out of your job and you have an opportunity to apply for EI, you have your right to do that. You've been paying into EI for that reason. And, uh, but you would say that uh, you were let go under duress. Just make sure that your position is very, very clear. Okay, Mariana, uh, let me see. I will go to court with my employer, Labor Commission. Oh, where did that? Some scooting around there. Uh, said that maybe they will give me a lawyer, but even if I will have one, I am not sure he will help me when I will go to that point. Along with all the conversation, letters sent and emails with my employer, will the judge want to hear about statistics or data about how much harm COVID is doing and how ineffective uh, the shots are, I guess. Should I, should I be ready with those in the, with that information also being by myself, I need to prepare way ahead. Well, if you're getting a lawyer, um, I don't know if, that, if they can choose the lawyer for you as opposed to you choosing your own lawyer. That's number one. And the second thing is if you're going to court, the main thing is to have the case law there, that supports that you have a constitutional right to refuse to be vaxxed. Um, that, that's the most important thing is the, 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 the law, the constitution says you have a right not to be vaxxed. The third thing is to have the criminal code section 265 and 266 to tell the court what they're doing is an offense by forcing you to be assaulted. And it's also a civil, um, a civil tort by forcing you to be uh, basically to be assaulted in order to work there. So those are the main ones right off the bat that I would be uh, bringing to court if you have to go to court. If you've served notices and and so on upon them, I would definitely be bringing those as well to show your intent from the beginning was to exercise your constitutional right not to be vaxxed. So what you want to do is you want to be able to prove that you have a legal basis for your decision you have a constitutional basis for your decision, and what they're doing is a criminal offense. Therefore, they have no standing against you to oppose what you're doing because they're the ones that have committed the offense. They're the ones that broke the law, not you. The statistics may support the reasons for what you're doing, and in that context, I don't think they'll do any harm. But I don't think the judge is going to want to sit there and listen to five hours worth of stats if you can provide it to him in fairly short order and say, this is one of the reasons I've made my choice. There are statistics out there that show the dangers people have died and so on. Um, but 
with or without those stats, you have the right to determine, and you do not have to give anybody any reasons why you chose not to get vaxxed. That's your private medical decision. Nobody has the right to demand that you, even the judge, all you need to do is say, I exercise my constitutional right, my power to refuse to be vaxxed, and I don't need to tell you the reasons why. But if you want, you can have the stats there in support. It won't do any harm. Okay, thanks, David. And um, I'm just going to share my screen for just a moment because early on, my bad, I forgot to uh, show a new option that Action for Canada has. If you go to our homepage, I'll just back it up here so you know where to find it. Right here on the main page, we've developed a website directory. And when you open that up, you can see where our homepage is, the Taboo Talks that's coming up. Uh, we've got information on healthcare, masks, testing, travel, the COVID-19, the World Economic Forum. Uh, when you need evidence, say, for instance, on the um, uh, Pfizer information that comes out, we've got information on our website so that you can easily find the links to it. So I just wanted to bring that to your information as soon as you click on any of this it'll bring you down to the category and and help provide you the information that hopefully will be helpful to you as you're also needing to um, gather information to submit in the court okay uh, David are you okay for a few more we're coming up on the hour there oh, yeah. this has been a big show Absolutely. tonight and we've still got uh, over 300 people in here hanging in here uh, because I think it's a matter of great interest I am noticing that uh, there must be quite a number of people on here who haven't been familiar with all the work that we've done on the notices of liability, all the training seminars. So I would really encourage you to go back to um, our Workers Unite page. We have step-by-step uh, -step -step instructions where I had meetings with employees just going over and over this information and preparing them. Sheila, would you please put the Workers Unite page on um, in the chat? That would be wonderful. So for those of you, it's going to take some investment in time. And as we go back into Taboo Talks, um, I, I would even like to have David on one of them. Uh, but I'm going to dive back into, yeah, thank you, Terenzio. Show them under Join how they find the Workers Unite uh, page on our website. Just hover over that again. I think it's under join. No, go back to, no, over to join. There you go. And then Workers Unite is just in the drop down there and that's where you can get to this page. And uh, if you can just scroll up on that page, Terenzio, you can see that we have incredible instructions, the right notices of liability you need to serve to your employer in the union and um, whoever else is interfering directly with your employment. We've got uh, reports that are on the right side of the page. It scrolls down to the bottom on your phone. News reports wherein uh, uh, people are doing um, achieving good things with their employer because it's coming out. This was uh, an egregious crime against your right to be employed. And uh, we're, we're anxious to get you informed so that you can help us uh, by increasing the momentum in the memento in Canada, momentum, sorry, in Canada, uh, the more people involved in charging their employers and pushing back, the more those employers are going to cease and desist. And, and we really need you all helping out on that. All right. Enough about that. Uh, is there somebody else with their hand raised, Terenzio? Yes, we do. We have we'll do next... a few more. Yeah. We, uh, next person we have is Renee. 
Okay, hi Renee, can you unmute? All right, we'll give All her right. a minute to try that out. I don't see that that's working Nothing's for her. Nothing's happening yet. We might have to go to the next. Okay. The next is uh, Rachel or Rochelle. Hi, Rochelle, your Hello. question. Hi, can you hear me? Hi. Sure can. That's Renee. Yeah. Oh, geez, hold on. Oh, okay. Can you hear oh, me? Oh, is okay? that Renee? Yes, yeah, hi, yeah. Renee. Okay, hi. So I, Cashmere said, my daughter Cashmere said, oh, mom, I don't know if um, it's going to work because I'm an unmute thing and I haven't updated my Zoom. Okay, and I heard- that's okay. So what's your question, Renee? Um, okay, so uh, just to get further clarification, um, they, you know, the guy was really nice to her, the CEO. He says, oh, well, I'll just do this for you. But I thought it could be a trap. And so it sounds like it is. And I heard your answer just to say, basically, you do not want to do it under uh, you, she could still apply to EI, but just un, you put under duress. Is that right? On her application for EI? Yeah, let go under duress. Is that what you were advising her to do or not even apply for EI? I, I, no, well, if she applies, I would put let go under threats or extortion um, and, mm-hmm. and put exactly why she was, um, why she was let go. Okay. And she she um, refused to be assaulted. Okay. So um, she didn't want to file it directly with the CEO. She said she'd rather go to the directly to the owner. Um, he was very nice, and he tried to see if he could help her with her religious exemption because she did have also a medical as well as a religious exemption. And so she didn't kind of want to play hardball with him you know she's young and she was just doing her best so should she file an nol against the ceo and the owner or just the owner i would do both avoid any communication um breakdowns one says i didn't get it the other says it was lost or whatever right make sure you give it to both of them oh so you just can you hear me now Mm -hmm. oh okay so should she file an NOL with the CEO um, as well as the owner or just the owner of the company? I, as I said, I who, would say who, both uh, of them um, subject to what Tanya's yeah. comments. Yeah, so my, my comment is, Renee, we've gone over this quite a bit with you and uh, Kashmir, is that whoever it is that's sending you the uh, letters, if, if it's the general manager, then you send the general manager the notice of claim. If it's the admin department, whoever the admin administrator is that's putting their name on the email, uh, you would send it to them. And, uh, yeah, so uh, you, I think we've gone over quite a bit. You're, you should be familiar by now on how to serve the notice of liability, I think. And, um, so, you know, filling out EI. We've got to remember as well, and we want to make sure this is clear, that uh, David and I are not lawyers. We're not as, uh, offering you legal advice. Uh, we are trying to provide you with the resources uh, that's available in the criminal code and the Constitution and the Charter of Rights. All of this information is in there. We've created documents uh, to to help to compile and have it in one tangible way that you can serve it to your employer, to the union leader, to whomever it is that is interfering with your rights and let them know it's a warning. 
it, you're just, it's not illegal to uh, uh, submit a notice of liability and to serve it. It's letting the other person know that what they're doing is causing harm or that it's illegal. It's a cease and desist. And if they don't, then you use that information when you decide to press charges and you either need to hire a lawyer to do that or you need to do what David is doing and uh, proceed with filing criminal charges yourself. All right. So, Rachel, I'm and sorry if, I couldn't get you. Mm-hmm, sorry, David. I'll just mention one other comment. If, if um, Not only if there's written communications, but if you've gone higher up the food chain and had oral communications with, with the boss, the, the owner, and those oral communications have resulted in threats or whatever uh, to fire or being ignoring you, then, yes, you can serve one on him even if it was oral communications. Uh, ultimately, Tanya's correct. You want to go to the individual or people. Because sometimes people go through uh, the food chain in a, in a company. Yeah. You want to get each person that's refused you and get it to both of them or all of them. Right. And, and usually what happens, we're, getting re- we're, we're going after the low-hanging fruit. Because once they're disabled, yeah. uh, they're not going to want to be hauled to court for, um, you know, for uh, processing whatever the orders were that were coming from above. So that way they are now served. They can go to their supervisor or the owner and say, look, I've been served. Uh, this is apparently illegal. I'm not going to take any risk in getting charged. I'm putting this in your hands. And so then pretty soon you're going to find out who you're going neck on neck with and, and who it is that ultimately is going to be responsible for removing you. And I know that Kashmir has said that um, EI won't accept applications that are due to refusal of the jab, which is, um, you know, we've heard this across Canada and we can't personally do anything about that, but we can try to help you get uh, into the best position possible. When these lawsuits start to go through and they're successful, you're going to be fully armed. So uh, you need to do all that you can do now, apply for EI, show that they've refused you, that's illegal, serve them. And, and then you need to go look for another job. Even if it's washing dishes right now, you need to have employment. You need to do what you can do uh, to make sure that you can cover your bills. We know that people are suffering um, unbelievable harms right now. And uh, this is all the best we can do to equip you for the future and make sure that you're ready for the next steps. Okay, I'm sorry that we can't give you any more than that. So um, uh, Rochelle had asked about a lawyer in Alberta. I would recommend getting a hold of Carol Crossan, C-R-O-S-S-I-N, an amazing lady. And she, a year ago, won a Supreme Court ruling. It was not to do with COVID, uh, but it was, um, she's absolutely lovely. And so I just recommend you giving her, I hope that's helpful to you. And I hope that was the question you had when you had your hand up. That's the one I saw in the um, queue. All right. I have a truck driver friend that got a $6,000 ticket when he crossed because he did not have the arrive can or a COVID test. Now he gets multiple calls daily from Health Canada. Uh, What do you suggest? Don't pick up the phone. They have no business. This is (laughs) harassment and intimidation. Do not pick up the phone. Health Canada doesn't have a leg to stand on. Um, You know, the people that have stood their ground, this is their testimonies. I haven't personally gone through that. I'm just telling you the testimonies of what other people have done successfully. David? Not only not, not, don't answer the phone, record the time and date that the phone came in. And if any message 
your messages were left, record them and keep a record, keep mm -hmm. a diary, open a file on your computer, keep a record and a diary of every single thing and every time they've tried to contact you. The, the name of the person, if he says who it is, keep a recording of the call and save it on your file. Keep a record of everything because at some point in the future, if they keep coming back on you, you may need that and likely will need that information. So don't just say, okay, it's him, I'm not gonna answer the phone and then delete a recorded message, for example. Keep the phone, uh, if a phone number comes through, record the number. If it doesn't, record the fact that it's an unknown name and number, the time and the date that it came in, and, and uh, uh, record the message, get a recording of it, and save everything on your computer and keep a record of it. That, that's critical. Right. Yeah. Thank you, David. That's awesome. I always love uh, tag teaming here with you uh, because that's right. We want as much recorded information as well. This is harassment. Yeah. Harassment yes. is also, you know, an offense ag against you. So um, let's keep that uh, going as well. Uh, somebody had asked, can we use this for educational purposes, attending, serving on workshops, etc." So Action for Canada takes the Empower Hours and we post them on the Empower Hour page as long as you make sure that who David Lindsay is is clear if you're using this to educate others and that you use Action for Canada's resources and give credit where credit is due. Uh, we'd be more than happy for you to educate others with our information. Um, and the main reason is, is there's a lot of organizations out there, they are not doing what we're doing and uh, they are not providing. So if you, if you get people to sign up with another organization, uh, they're not getting the support and updates that uh, we're providing and as well as mobilize Canadians en masse. And so we just really want to grow up our membership and our followers because uh, we believe this is a huge movement that's having a huge impact. So thank you for asking that. It says also... How can we use this for traveling on airlines, trains, boats, etc., so that we can do so as is our inalienable rights? Okay, so Musa, I don't know if you're familiar, but on the introduction I gave, I provided the um, new notice of liability for travel. I would recommend uh, Sheila will pop that into the uh, chat. Save that link. Read it. Look at the information. We're having huge success. Uh, uh, isn't it amazing that we're having huge success international on international travel from people coming back from Europe and Mexico and the United States? But it's the domestic travel. It's WestJet. It's Air Canada that are the tyrants. And I just wish everybody would just stick it to them and their sales would drop. I mean, the government would probably try to get in there and bail them out, um, but they're just horrific and horrendous. And if you, you can get on without uh, showing, I believe, vax information at this point, but you better give a test and uh, wear a mask. And you gotta challenge them on that. So that's what I have. Do you have anything to add there, David? Um, not to that, nope. Okay. That was good. I would like to make a comment, though, um, <clears throat> and it's uh, kind of an inspiring comment for everybody. Um, they've been giving me personally bylaw tickets at the city of Kelowna for our uh, <laughs> Just rallies a few. we have on Saturday. <laughs> Just a few. And um, they were contacted by the government in Victoria, the Ministry of Health, I believe. And they were contacted and told to start issuing these tickets to try and get us to stop the their rallies and the protests against them. Some of these protests have had 15 to 2,000, 1,500 to 2,000 people. And you simply, you know, they just covered everywhere. It was really amazing, a lot of the rallies, to show the opposition. But last week, 
um, I was in bylaw court, if I can use that term, it's just a bylaw hearing, but, and it was really fascinating because the arbitrator was on a video call and the bylaw officer was over to my left and we were just getting started. I don't have it in front of me, but I was telling the, uh, the arbitrator, I want an adjournment because I'm filing a notice of constitutional challenge that I have already done. And I held it up and showed it to him and said, I want an adjournment because you cannot convict somebody under an unconstitutional bylaw. And he doesn't have the power to, to hear uh, constitutional issues. And there were other bylaw officers and the bylaw officer in the room and his superior listening on, uh, I guess, on the Zoom call. And they were listening and they didn't know they were live. <laughs> so <laughs> the one guy, I think it was his boss, he just pounded his table and he swore up and down. He said, oh, uh, how do you say? Oh no! He said, "Here we go with his bullshit again," and he was screaming and swearing on the other end. And they were so mad that this constitutional challenge was being filed, and he didn't realize he was live. So everybody heard it. It was live. It went on the mic, the recording. Everybody heard this guy swearing and screaming in the background, and. My response has been clear to everybody. If you don't think we're making a difference, why are these people so upset in the background yeah. that when that we're getting confirmation of? They, um, I mean, these are just rallies they're having, and it's no different than buy a ticket on your car. Why are they so furiously upset mm -hmm. that they're being challenged? And that tells me we are making a difference well beyond what the eyes can see in the background. We're having a major effect everywhere. So I hope yeah. that empowers a lot of people to know that just because you don't see the visible effects, don't think for a second that your actions are not having effects in the background mm -hmm. and, uh, and they're having major effects. <laughs> <laughs> I love I it. Thanks to in the courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> right? Oh, I loved yeah. it when you told that me, told me that story about the guy just like losing his shell, right? Like he just, you know, yeah. can't believe what they're being challenged with because really they have no position. We're yeah. right. They're wrong. And as long as we keep pressing in, that's what matters. <laughs> um, I did see somebody's question in here about visiting an 88 year old, uh, lady in the care homes. And they say you have to be vaxxed in order to get in. No, you don't. First of all, they have no right and no business, no lawful right to ask you for your status as to whether or not you're vaxxed or not. And these are deadly injections. So we have a notice of liability that you need to serve the individuals at that care home. And you need to insist on having access to this individual and making sure that they are being treated right. It is absolutely uh, horrific what is going on with our elderly. And this is where we also have to be on the front line of this fight. I, I'm just sick to my stomach every time I hear about the stories. Okay, I think what we're gonna do, uh, we, we end up doing this uh, rapid fire and Terenzio is gonna put a clock on for a minute. David. So I think we've got several people with their hands up. So they're going to ask a question and you have to answer within a minute. Let's, let's put David on the hot spot let's here. Do it. All right. Uh, so everybody that's going to ask a question, be ready, very specific and concise with your question. And we're going to see if we can get these final ones done and we're going to wrap up this show. All right. Well, uh, to be honest, we did end up answering a lot of people's questions. Some oh, of the people that okay. were had their hands up, they actually had their, they also submitted their questions. So we have a few questions here. So we'll just go through it real quick. Uh, first one we have is, uh, was it Rochelle? Did we answer Rochelle's question? 
I thought could, we had. If it, we'll bring her could on. Could be a different one. I'm, okay. All right. Yep. Uh, Rochelle, you should see a little message pop up on your screen. Yes. Yeah. You answered my question, and I I did some research with Carol or found her contact. So right. I'm a non-practicing okay. lawyer, and I've been non-practicing for since 2010. Um, I was called to the bar, and uh, then my son had open heart surgery. And um, I'm thinking that, you know, some of this, uh, these vaccine injuries um, uh, that have been caused from these COVID, I think he might have actually suffered a vaccine injury from H1N1, and I might have actually suffered one as well because I have a droopy uh, eyelid. And Mm -hmm. he had, um, well, he was uh, misdiagnosed with uh, uh, you know, a heart murmur, innocent heart murmur. And then after he had his H1N1 shots, he was diagnosed um, uh, with, uh, 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 what's it called, um, pneumonia. My, and then he suffered okay. a um, an enlarged heart, and he had to have open heart surgery earlier than what he was uh, supposed to. And I was doing all, well, you know... Mm-hmm. going through all of this when he was um when i was articling and i just started to connect the dots you know with these vaccine injuries with this covid mm-hmm. and i think that you know i didn't know that they didn't have any of these vaccine injury report system beforehand and i'm thinking that he could have actually suffered a vaccine injury way back then so i have right. been practicing okay. law but i'm very interested in what you guys um are talking about with regards to this coronation oath act because i just find that our legal system and our judicial system there's so many systems that are just not functioning properly in canada right now yes yeah yeah, we're aware of that so uh rochelle maybe you'd be interested in joining our team uh you know because there's times when we need some uh legal input and uh, we've got a writing team that meets on fridays and um, if you want to consider that, that would be great. If you do, let uh, let Sheila know, and we'll we'll get connected. Uh, so yeah, reach out to Carol. And I'm not sure if you're going to take action or not, but uh, I believe that if she's available, she'll be able to help you out. All right, Terenzio, was there another question? Yes. Next question is from Tanya. Alrighty. Hi, Tanya. That seems strange to say that. <laughs> Sounds like I'm talking to myself. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Can Tanya, you unmute? You should see a message pop up on your screen, Tanya. If not, we'll go to the next. Uh, yes. Hi. Oh, there she uh, is. Yes. So I have a question. So, um, well, we uh, we could serve a, um, a note of liability to the nursing home. Uh, but we are afraid they are going to persecute our friend. Uh, they also ask us all the time. To, uh, to, to pass the test, the COVID test, and they no, don't allow us to stay in the lobby uh, to uh, more than two people there. And, uh, and I, I have to tell you, this is a nursing home for demented people. My, our friend is not demented mm. because she doesn't have, because of a capacity test, she was deemed, uh, declared unable to make the decision for herself. And because of that, she was given a public guardian trustee who doesn't care about her. She took uh, her apartment. We paid her rent for three months. We don't care about money, but she needs a pro bono lawyer because they don't. She is starting because of this the stress she's on. Uh, she she uh, starting to lose her uh, view, view uh, vision. She's starting to 
she's in distress. Nobody gives her a glass of water. We were there, my sister, and she asked uh, uh, for a glass of water. And they said, we don't have water. And uh, my sister uh, waited for the door to open, and uh, she started to, to, to scream, actually. How can you say to an old person, you don't have a glass of water? Oh, the I'm teacher so was there near, nearby. Every, since the beginning of June, we are struggling to help her. But Okay, Tanya, can I, can I ask you what province are you in? I'm in Ottawa, Ontario. And we are okay, for a I want you to you reach out to our chapter, please. We have an amazing yeah. chapter leader there. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you need some support in being able to serve this institution. Uh, with the friends that I was speaking to the other day regarding the mother, she doesn't speak English and she's blind and they haven't allowed them access uh, for eight months. And, and so she's afraid she's not receiving her proper eye drops and medication. And, and as I said, it's absolutely horrific what's going on. I, I would think that you're in the Ukraine and understand that people are victimizing people in the Ukraine, but the Ukraine government has been attacking half of the population of Ukrainians who are living in either hiding in the most deplorable yeah. situations. And that's what I feel like when I'm hearing about how our elderly are being treated. And, and so I'm going to be making that, uh, that care home public. And we're going to have a little uh, public backlash against them. That's why I want as many citizens as possible joining Action for Canada, join in our chapter so that we're a force in those communities. This is unlawful and illegal, uh, this woman. And so I want you recording your conversations. Uh, when, when she can't get a glass of water, if you happen to be in there, please have your recorders on. Um, make sure that any emails uh, that you have um, are very, very clear in getting feedback from these individuals. And, and we need to um, it, take some action there. We need to get you the support. Fill out our notices of liability. There mm -hmm. are ones against the uh, COVID testing as well. Uh, the COVID testing are causing great harms. There's uh, extremely toxic chemicals that are associated with the testing. At the beginning of summer, we uh, um, launched that new notice of liability. So some people may not be aware of it. Um, yeah, so just go to our website, get educated, come to our Taboo Talks on Tuesdays. Uh, that's going to be launching uh, this week. I'll have it in the new action coming out Sunday night. And I'll be talking about all of these things and trying to answer questions. Thank you for being an advocate for this elderly person. Oh, yeah. You, uh, There's something else. I think uh, uh, Jesus will do the same thing, would, would help. It's not about money here. She's not even our family. But it doesn't matter. It's someone's sister, someone's mother. And she doesn't have kids, yeah. but it's a human being. And we are like, yeah. we are devastated. Uh, we are affected. We are assault, feel assaulted. So we are trying to convince the PGT, please, we paid her rent. Give her a chance. She's not demented. She can make you know, decisions for herself. But lately, since we start, we, we're starting to visit her, we have recordings every single time. At the beginning, she was good, not even good. allowed to come out to speak with us. We, they, uh, there was a, a window, very uh, a limited opening on the screen, and we were uh, filming uh, uh, to the yeah. screen. And then I said, how come other, how come other uh, you know, residents are allowed to talk to us outside? And she's not. Is this a prison or what it is? And we have a lot of correspondence with her public guardian Good. trustee. Uh, we want, and now I want to go higher to the... If, um, yeah, yes, sorry. Yes, Dave, please. If, well, I was going to mention there's paralegals out there and there's, uh, there's lawyers too, but... Um, if you've got a record of everything, you can get what's called an injunction um, forcing them, or man, mandamus order, forcing them to uh, 
fulfill the terms of their contract by looking after these people. You need the evidence, and if you've got the tape recordings to back it up, that's that's good. A lawyer or somebody will get it into the legal system and force them to do it uh, with a court order. It, it wouldn't be that hard to do, but you would need a legal uh, a lawyer or a paralegal or somebody in the Ottawa area to do that. But that's the importance of keeping um, recordings and keeping records of everything. And um, if you're going to serve them a, uh, an NOL, uh, it would be a good idea to document every time you've been there and what they said and how they're refusing to to do that and um, use that as a basis because you will you will get legal action on something like that. Yeah, I mean, um, I found a very nice Italian lawyer in in Toronto, but unfortunately he's part of the board of the capacity assessment board and uh, he's a member of that board. And he, I'm going go. to, and now I have to answer, he, uh, he's trying to find somebody, somebody pro bono. He has a wonderful heart. He's one of the nicest who really cared and answered to me. It's so difficult when lawyers turn your back on you and they are there to protect us. But it is their choice. God is going to help us to help this poor woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, we call well, thanks CBC. Thanks for helping I her got because the, you know what? Every, every, every life is valuable. So thank you very much for helping her. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Tanya, for um, coming on the show and proposing that question and seeking guidance. Um, David, I really appreciate, uh, you know, the advice that you just gave as well. Uh, there's got to be, we need more lawyers. This is a shout out to lawyers in this country. You need to get on board. If you're a lawyer, I'd love if you would join Action for Canada. There's uh, there's no, no big funds in this. There's no pro bono. David and I haven't been getting paid for the work that we're doing. We're out this because, as I keep saying throughout this, we're in World War III fighting for our nation, and everybody needs to use their gifts and their talents to help out right now. Anyways, my friend, that was a lengthy and power hour tonight. Here's the poster for David and his course. Uh, Sheila has been providing the link uh, to get in touch with David, to email him, to sign up for this course. I really hope that you will support David in this endeavor. I think it's going to be highly educational and I think it's critical that we know this information uh, because now that it's come to light, we have a duty to impress upon our leadership, those elected officials, those whom we're going to elect into office need to know about the coronation oath and they need to be willing to take a stand uh, to ensure that it is being uh, respected. All right. Okay, thanks for that, Terenzio. David, thank you again so much. I hope a ton of people sign up for this. That would give me much encouragement. And so in closing, what would be some final words uh, to our viewers? Well, um, our, excuse me, our group's name is called Common Law Education and Rights for a Reason. And the primary objective from when we first started 20 plus years ago was education. Um, if you don't have education, then you have to depend on, on others like lawyers, and then it's easy to get taken advantage of. So our goal is to educate, and hopefully people will learn, and hopefully we will give them the power so that when they stand on their on their rights and they say, no, we're not going to comply, they're not trembling when they do it. They're sitting there, and they're staying in their cause, in their power, in the knowledge and truth that they have is right, and, and that's critical. You don't want governments mm-hmm. to see you shaking. So hopefully, uh, yeah, people will get a knowledge over that. And um, I, I agree. Uh, the one last point I'll, I'll mention, it's somewhat off-topic, but on, uh, at a rally on Saturday coming up in Kelowna, we've got Erica and uh, Lloyd coming in from the Kelowna Unity Group, and they put this package out. Um, 
we're delivering them on Sundays, house to house in, in Kelowna. And they're going to be speaking on Saturday um, with the Unity Group, who's a collection of uh, medical practitioners, medical professionals in the Okanagan. And they have phenomenal professional information that they're going to share on uh, on all the scam with, with COVID-19 and, and some of their discussions they've had with pharmacists and various other people. So if you're in the Kelowna area mm-hmm. or you know somebody that does, um, our rally's at 12 noon on Saturday. They're wonderfully, incredibly knowledgeable people and uh, very, very much committed to uh to what we're doing as well so if um if you know anybody that and they can come out um yeah okay. it's at uh, stewart park on saturday at 12 noon and uh, that was it thank you all right okay yeah david thank you there's so many doctors that are standing on the front line right now i was really impressed uh, odessa with liberty talk canada she had dr mazik on uh from he lives in alberta and it was such an informational interview but it went way beyond it went back to 2016 where this doctor was already facing immense corruption wherein he had a cancer research facility where they were actually treating people in stage four cancer and i believe he said that it was 85 percent of the patients were being cured through their method they weren't making money off of this um, and then the Alberta government started applying pressure. Uh, they were, uh, you know, making complaints to uh, the uh, physicians. Uh, what do you call it? The um, uh, college College of physicians in Alberta against him, not, not on behalf of patients. You know, they were manifesting things in order to shut it down. So they eventually, the program got shut down, the treatments. And next thing you know, Justin Trudeau, um, if I'm understanding this all correctly, then turns around and launches the same program in BC as if it was a new initiative. And he had mentioned that there for people coming from overseas charging $100,000 to receive this treatment. It is, it is just such a nasty bunch of people out there. But anyways, he's been standing on the front line regarding... Uh, uh, the, the COVID and exposing things as well. So I really appreciate the doctors. He was the one that was doing research on up to now 32 doctors, young doctors who have received the injection and actually died. And those are the ones that he could actually uncover. We know there's going to be so many more. So we do rely on our doctors, uh, standing up. I think they're becoming more emboldened as, uh, more doctors get on the front line at this as well. Things are turning around, friends. Don't lose hope. It's been a massive battle, but, but we are gaining ground. We are taking back ground that the enemy has stolen. And I believe a hundred percent that we're going to win this war. So take heart. All right, my friend. Thank you, David, so much for being on the Empower Hour. We look forward to you being on again. Um, we're going to be touching more on the criminal charges uh, coming up in, in the fall and helping to support people. And we hope to have um, a judge that actually believes in Canada and the criminal code and will give us a good ruling pretty soon. So, all right. Yeah. Thanks so much. We'll see you again. All right, everyone. Thank you for hanging in there. We didn't expect this uh, Empower Hour to go as late as it has, but we like to stick around and answer questions. Uh, Things are heavy on people's hearts. Next week, we have Tom Quiggin coming on. He is going to be talking about uh, digital AI and government tyranny. It's going to be a very interesting one. I've known Tom for many, many years. As I've said, um, he is exposing uh, a radical Islam in Canada, a very concerning uh, topic that I will be taking on again sometime in the, in, in the near future, I hope. And so uh, Tom is a uh, 
prior uh, terrorism expert. So this man knows his stuff. He knows about intelligence. He knows how corrupt the government is, is, and I'm looking forward to having him on the show next week. All right. As always, I just want to thank you for joining us tonight, but to also say a big shout out there to our wonderful Canada saying God bless Canada and God bless each one of you.